operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. All right, we are back and better than ever. Comic Revolution Podcast. I am Brock. By my side, my co-pilot, Steven. Yes. It's been a little while, hasn't it? Yes, it has. We took a little hiatus in this summer, mainly because of my oldest son having the um, the rudeness to play travel ball, <laughs> therefore monopolizing all of my time. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you took a hiatus. It, it was terrible. He left me locked in here. So. <laughs> Luckily, the bunker is well-appointed. Yeah. He, I believe Steven had at his fingertips nearly every video game console he could ever desire. Mm-hmm. So, you were at least not bored. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now that the summer is officially over, school has started. At least our school started back last week, last Monday. Hmm. So, with that comes a regular schedule, and we'll be able to hit these podcasts on a normal weekly basis, which is a good thing because we're going to have lots of big events, as always, coming up. DC's going to want to start killing off characters. Marvel's going to start killing off mutants, and nobody's going to know what they're doing. Right. It's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be along for the ride. <laughs> oh, boy. Whether you want to be or not. Yeah. As always, you can check us out at comicrevolution.com. There we have our news, reviews, whatnot. Kevin just posted a review this morning early on Labor Day. Kevin laboring on Labor Day. Wow. I know. (laughs) He posted a a really good review on Batgirl. Mm -hmm. So good stuff there. As always, uh, you'll find something interesting to read. You can uh, follow me, of course, on Twitter at Rock Revolution. That's R-O-K-K. Revolution, and you can follow the Comic Revolution itself on Twitter at CBRevolution. <laughs> there you go. And Stephen, where can they find you? They can find me at at President Glover for all the all the musings, and I'm sure you're very interested to hear the sundries, <laughs> all the go. sundries. You know, Stephen, I got up on Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Labor Day, okay, holiday weekend. Yes, you're supposed to eat, drink, sleep in. Take it easy, right? No, 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 no. I got up at 5.30 this morning. Wow. 5.30 in the morning. You know why? It was for a good thing, though. Mm-hmm. My window to make my reservations for dining at Walt Disney World opened up today. <laughs> if only we had this as a video <laughs> podcast so if we could see Stephen getting a blank look on his face. <laughs> Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, Our window opened up as we're going in the first week of March, Stephen. So our window opened up to make all of our reservations at all the fine dining establishments. We picked off all the ones we wanted. I'm Mm -hmm. quite pleased. I'm happy. I am ready to go. I was in the mood. I had Orange Bird on my shoulder. He was chirping in my ear, sipping my coffee. I was feeling good this morning. I was like Snow White. All of nature was communing with me. It was wonderful. (laughs) Uh, on that note, Stephen. Yes. On that positive note, all right, mm-hmm. I want to tackle a little bit of the news before okay. we hit the 
issues for this week? Because honestly, Stephen, this week I thought was a pretty down week. Uh, if you're looking like we often do at Marvel and DC, the two big publishers, it was kind of just a... It wasn't horrible. It was just kind of like a meh. It was just a really meh week. That I looked at the selection of comics for both publishers, and nothing really... Nothing, you know, not that it's not that comic where you're just like itching to get to the store, yeah. get your grubby paws on your comics and tear through them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was because DC usually has like at least two of their big names per week, but not this week. Nope, Mm-mm. it's weird. Yeah, it was. It's just an off week in general. Yeah, but still, we managed to cobble together a couple of issues to review, and this time we're bucking the trend, Stephen. I don't think this has ever happened. Uh-oh. On a podcast, not exclusively devoted to one publisher or the other, okay. Sure. But any any podcast we've done with it touches on both publishers. I don't think we've ever done a majority Marvel comics podcast, but we are in this one. We're going to do four titles, mm-hmm. and in Marvel, it's going to be Extermination. Their number two, their big X Men mm-hmm. event. Uh, we're going to do Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends number one, mm-hmm. which is the lead into their big Wolverine event. Yes. And then we're going to take on Marvel 2-in-1, The Thing and Human Torch number 9, mm-hmm. which plays off the big, dramatic, massive return of Fantastic Four that just happened. Which happens after the events of this uh, series, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to touch on that for sure. Uh, okay. And then the sole DC title. Yep. And we picked... Red Hood and the Outlaws Annual number 2. <laughs> Oh no! Steven is so happy right now. No, I kid. It's just, it just don't say his name. You know who I'm Scott Lobdell. <laughs> Before we hit these comics, Stephen. Yes. There just is not a lot going on this um, past week. No. I didn't. When we both agreed, we didn't want to retread some of the uh, events that have happened since we last podcast. We just figured let's just. Let's just move on with our lives. Yeah. Don't need to, to, to dig up old, dead, beaten horses, <laughs> right? Yeah. What I want to talk about, though, that did come out this week. So DC announced, and I want to get your take on this. Um, DC announced the DC Universe digital subscription service is going to launch on September 15th. Yes. So this is their... It's interesting. What's odd about this to me, okay, so this is their streaming service, like their their version of Netflix or Hulu or whatever, sure. but devoted solely to DC Universe TV shows yes. and cartoons, and, and, right? And movies. And movies. Yeah. Now, I, this seems a bit niche for a streaming service. <laughs> Because this is what I'm looking at. You're, you're obviously you're trying to get into that Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, you know, HBO Go type of competition. Yeah. Disney is about to throw down the mother of all streaming services very soon. They've already announced. They've already they've already mentioned it's it, that they're going to be launching their their streaming service, and it is going to have everything from Disney movies, Fox movies, uh, Pixar movies. Disney animated movies, Marvel movies, Lucasfilm movies. It's a lot, okay? Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a library that few, few people are going to rival. It's, it's a big, that's a big catalog of stuff. And they're going to do new, t- they want to do new TV shows and new cartoons for Marvel and Lucasfilm and, and mm-hmm. Pixar, Disney animated. It's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. So what I don't get, Stephen, mm-hmm. is why Warner Brothers just didn't roll out 
a Warner Brothers streaming service. And under that service would be the DC Universe Mm -hmm. shows and movies. From what I'm understanding, they haven't released the specifics for the Disney streaming service yet, but from what they've said in their earnings report, they mentioned that they want to make it a tiered plan. So, for example, if you want to just select the Lucasfilm library, you pay X amount of dollars. If you just want the Pixar library, you pay Y amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you want Marvel and Disney Animation. You pay Z amount of dollars. You know what I mean? You can pick and choose which library you want, and that dictates what your price is. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't Warner Brothers do the same thing? This seems... Like you're doing a lot of work for a small audience. I, it just it makes more sense that this would be a library that you could just check on mm-hmm. under the big umbrella. Because Warner Brothers has plenty of stuff. Oh, they got plenty yeah. of stuff. You could have a Looney Tunes. Um, yeah. A, a Looney Tunes, uh, uh, you know, uh, database. You mm-hmm. could have your DC one. You could have your regular Warner Brothers stuff. You could mm-hmm. have, it's, it's, there's plenty you could do. Oh, yeah. I don't know. For me, for me, it seems weird, but maybe that's just me. Um, doesn't Warner Brothers own HBO? Uh, have, or is that a or is that um or Time Warner? Yes. Whoever. Correct. I mean, I don't know why they didn't just merge them, but maybe they're they're hedging. Maybe they're not doing as much because yeah. they're not going to hedge their bets on a, trying to play the big game because right. they don't know if they'll make it. So maybe right. it's a smarter investment that way, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. It's, um, I mean, the biggest advantage they have is that they're owned by a telecom company. Yes. <laughs> and Disney does not have one of those. So thanks to the FCC, yeah, right. they could probably throttle them. Right. But, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm not really getting any of these. I have Netflix. That's all I need. So. I, I love my Netflix. I'm happy with that. Yeah. It's fantastic. But um, so, I mean, in terms of content, you are correct. that It doesn't it, seem... A little like, la- little thin, yeah. right? Yeah. It does have the, the, um, the, the, the publishing side of it that, you know, Disney's not going to put Marvel Comics in their streaming service or anything like that, but DC has right. their, their library, at least the... Curated, curated, curated selection yeah. of titles on their library. So, correct. That's interesting. It's new, but I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I think this is just trying to be safe and not trying to, um, you know, like we're not we're not trying to be Netflix. We're trying to be we're trying to carve out our own little right profitable enough pocket of this market. Right, because. And at this point, I think that's the maybe the best bet because, I mean, Disney's got the content, but I don't know if they're going to beat Netflix in terms of the the pricing, like in terms of how they, not pricing, but how much money they're yeah. going to make because yep. Netflix is so so down unless Disney bought Netflix. <laughs> oh, don't <laughs> which they may you, very well do. Why did you say that, Steve? But now it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> now it's going to happen. You've now cursed it. Yeah, it'll be a neck and neck. Thing, but I think Netflix. I think Netflix is still the most valuable brand right now because after Solo came out, Disney dropped. Oh yeah, that doesn't and, help any. Yeah, I mean they may have come back up. I don't know, but mm. it's very it's very tight. So it's going to be competitive, but I still think Netflix is going to edge it out just for being the OG. Yes, well so. they they have built in fan base, no oh, doubt. Yeah, 
And so I don't know for the, for me, Stephen. This doesn't. I, I'm I love my streaming services, but I don't think I will shell out money for just a DC no. universe streaming service. No. I just don't. I don't see it. You know, yeah. and th- the quality. <laughs> I, I don't want to judge anything on a trailer or preview footage. I, I it, I'd like to you know, at least see a full episode or so. But sure. but this Teen Titans show looks really cheesy to me. Yeah, I don't know. Again, again, I, we've not seen a single episode yet. But yeah. based on what I've seen, mm-hmm. it looks wow, a lot of queso. <laughs> it, I mean, was that your? What was your reaction to it? Um, I don't want to talk about it. Want to pretend that it doesn't exist? Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Also, in the news, my friend, uh, we've got a little teaser Marvel rolled out mm-hmm. with the Guardians of the Galaxy relaunch. Now, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Stephen, this is uh, Marvel com- people who are just fans of Marvel comics alone mm-hmm. probably don't realize, but I would. I would say that right now, in the eyes of Bob Iger, mm-hmm. which are really the only eyes that matter, <laughs> uh, the eyes of Bob Iger, the Guardians of the Galaxy is the biggest franchise for the Mar- uh, from uh, Marvel Studios. And why do I say that? Hmm. The movies are amazingly popular, no yeah. doubt. Mm-hmm. But they have exactly one Marvel Studios ride in Disneyland. <laughs> and it's Breakout, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. They are currently building just one Marvel Studios ride in Walt Disney World, in Epcot specifically. Mm-hmm. And that would be where Ellen's uh, Universe of Energy used to be. Um, classic <laughs> ride, classic ride. Also starred uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. Um, <laughs> that is now going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Uh, now, okay. Yeah, so for Marvel people who are just fans of Marvel comics, but not Disney in general, mm-hmm. but not that Disney parks are the straw that stirs the drink. That's the eight hundred pound gorilla. They make that's the most dependable division of Disney by far, and it makes the most money. Mm-hmm. So you that's the franchise you've got in your two parks. Trust me, that's the franchise that Disney right now thinks is the franchise. Now, that might change if they start rolling other franchises out in our country. They, in other countries, they put, like, Iron Man and, right. and, and whatnot, but mm-hmm. Ant-Man, but not, not here. Um, <laughs> they must have been having a depressing last couple of months. <laughs> I know, right? So I'm thinking that will, will, will Marvel Comics now want to... They've been pushing Guardians of the Galaxy, no doubt, since the movie did very well. Yeah. But because of the continued presence of Guardians of the Galaxy in the... Disney theme parks, are we going to see Marvel double down, Marvel Comics double down even more? And do you think, based on the general public who's going to go to these theme parks, who they think are the Guardians of the Galaxy, do you think that's going to dictate the members? They show us 35 cosmic characters mm-hmm. in this relaunch. And they're, telling us, they're not telling us who's, in the, who's on the team. They're right. giving you all 35 cosmic characters. What are the odds, Stephen, that they go with a roster that is vastly different than what we're going to get at the theme park, which is what we get in the movies? What, what do you think? Or do you think Marvel Comics is going to do a big swerve and go, nope, we're going to give you Silver Surfer, uh, Charlie 27, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and just totally Corsair and Super Scroll and shake things up? Um, 
<laughs> well, you know, Marvel, the the riskiest company out there, um, <laughs> taking those risks. They took some oh. during all new, all different. <laughs> well, they did good take... risks. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm flummoxed, Steven. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I figure it'll be. I figure after what's going on with Gamora in um, Infinity Wars, mm-hmm. um, that she will may not be, but she'll be a presence, and mm-hmm. the rest of them, and then they may throw in two oddball characters. They may put Mantis in there, mm-hmm. the real Mantis. Right, right. Um, and I mean, like I was gonna say, like oh, put Cosmo, but he was in the DNA. He was Guardians of the Galaxy. He was indeed. Yeah. So I don't. I mean. It would it would it would make me laugh if they just said oh and Galactus <laughs> Galactus and Silver Surfer and Beta Ray Thor done yes that's the team but um I want them to bring the Annihilators back there you that go they used to have but that's that's just me um <laughs> exactly but yeah I I don't know if it's gonna be that if they put Cosmic Ghost Rider oh my god I would cry I would. Look, there is a part of me that really, really, really would love to see. I mean, look, if there's, if you wanted to change it up, the one character that makes the most logical addition would be um, Warlock. Yeah. Clearly, because mm-hmm. he is the most associated with the Garden of the Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, who's not currently on the team. I would definitely say he'd be a fine addition. But the, 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 the I know that this will never happen, but the fan in me looks at all these characters and goes, <laughs> and goes, there's two, two characters. Howard the Duck. <laughs> Howard the Duck. Yes. I'd be fine with. Mm-hmm. The only character I'd like to see on the team other than Howard the Duck is the single most grandest, greatest, oh no, superlative mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. in all of the Marvel Universe. Yes. And I mean... Of every character mm-hmm. ever created, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't care if it's Steve Ditko, mm-hmm. Jack Kirby, yep. Stan Lee, mm-hmm. Len Wein. Don't care who who you're talking. Just tell me, tell me. Don't who care. It is. Just yeah, just lay it on me. Lay it on the audience. Star Fox. Uh, oh, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Star Fox, baby. This is the time. Star Fox is going to shine in 2018, on his way to domination in Marvel <laughs> Comics. <laughs> calling it now. <laughs> Star Fox kills the Marvel Universe, releasing this fall. <laughs> Fantastic! Like It'll just go all in. <laughs> on Star Fox. It'll be interesting to see what roster they roll out with, though. I'm very, I'm very curious to see what they do. Are you really though? I think. We I mean, know. I like the franchise a lot. Sure. I've always loved the franchise, yeah. and I, I, and let's be honest, the it's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy has been on hard times since uh, DNA left the franchise and yeah. Bendis took over. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it took a, a a real dip in quality. It did. Yeah. And the popularity of the comic. I mean, let's be honest. The comic was much more of a fan darling when DNA wrote it than when Bendis wrote it. Yeah. Like way more, way more. And so I'm kind of hoping that maybe um, Coates can can bring some of that. Yeah. Magic. I mean, you know, we were talking about him before we started the podcast, and mm-hmm. he he did write Star Trek, which is a good sci-fi title. Yeah. So maybe he can bring that sci-fi. I mean, Bendis and sci-fi are, are th- those are things I would never put together <laughs> in a million years. Yeah. But maybe Coates can. I don't know. Maybe he can 
bring some of that magic back to the title that's been missing since DNA left it. I mean, I certainly hope so. I think the problem with Guardians of the Galaxy, at least when Bendis wrote it, is that they tried too hard to be like the movies. The oh, I the totally agree. With, I, with Marvel yes. Comics in general. It's like, yes. oh, be like the movies. That'll get they, people to read them. But. They seem to think that there is a connection between people who watch the movies and people yeah. who read the And it's not, it's just not true. And you can look at it with every movie that comes out that's a success. Yeah. It proves the point over and over again. Black Panther, massive, massive, massive. Massive box office success. Mm-hmm. Nobody reads the comic. No. The sales titles suck. Yeah. I mean, just there's no connection. So just write the mm-hmm. comics totally independent of the movies because mm-hmm. you're not writing you're not writing for the same audience in general. Yeah. The, the comic the comic book readers are a tiny, tiny subset <laughs> of the people who saw the movie. Yeah. So just do what you want to do. Don't worry about trying to mimic the movie. So I agree with you. The biggest downfall of the Bendis Guardians Galaxy was it, it just felt like he was trying to just, I'm trying to give you the movie. Yeah. And um, I mean, it, and without, I mean, I mean, that movie was a very singular type of film. It was the result of one yes. guy, one particular person. Yeah. Right. And you can't emulate that. Like, no. sorry. Um, <laughs> that's why they're having such a hard time finding somebody to take over the third movie because. Right. It's bad mojo <laughs> to just swoop in and steal somebody's yeah. stuff. And then, okay, well, how are we going to do it? Because we can't copy. Because then it's like, oh, you're just trying to copy. But then we can't go different because people might not like that. That's right. I mean, I'm of the opinion that people will see it anyway. So oh, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I- I don't think they have to worry about that at all. Yeah, seeing, I agree. seeing the numbers for Ant-Man and the Wasp in China, I'm like, okay, this oh. people will see anything. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the numbers are ridiculous. I totally agree. Totally agree. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would like to see a swerve and see some, some changes, but I just I can't imagine Marvel taking that kind of a, a chance. Right. Because, like you said, they still seem to think. Mm-hmm. Well, people want to see Star yeah. Lord and um, right. whoever. So right. Like, no. Not not so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let's peek over to DC. There's not a lot of news again. Not, sure. not a big news week, but DC mm-hmm. did did a tease that they're bringing back Starman. Yes, classic JSA character. Yep. Ted Knight, Starman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most listeners probably would know Jack Knight more yeah. that James Robinson made quite famous oh, yeah. and incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. That was a fan darling of a title as well. Yes. So you ask yourself, uh, which, which, uh, which Starman is Scott Snyder bringing back? Is it oh. Ted Knight? Is he going old school? Mm-hmm. I, my initial reaction was no, that would be what a Jeff Johns would do. Yeah, and it, I think, and he, I'm not slagging on that at all. I oh, love Ted sure. Knight. I'm yeah. not, that, that's not an insult. I think he will be back. I think so I at do some think point. So, yeah. It was in, so then you go. Well, it must be Jack Knight because he is. He he's to be honest, popular. he's he's the most popular one. Yeah. So it must be him. Mm-hmm. No, 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 my friend. No, no, no. They're bringing back Will Payton. <laughs> Who? The Starman. I know there's like a thousand Starmans, yeah. but the Starman from roughly 1988 to 1990, ish. Uh, it was a blip on the radar. Yeah. And you might. I mean, I only what I would. You and I were talking about this. Yeah. My all the dust on my <laughs> on the wheels of my brain were starting to spin, and I was, and I was thinking, wait a minute, 
that's the guy with that yellow and purple outfit with a white star on his chest. And it is. It is. It, I thought, was it just a bad dream I had when I was a little kid? It wasn't, Stephen. It wasn't. It really yeah. happened. Yeah, he's, he's the guy in that purple and yellow. Google him. Mm-hmm. Will Payton, Starman, Google it. Look at the costume because I'm sure most people listening to this have probably never read the comic. Yeah. I do remember reading the comic. I don't remember it being that fantastic. Sure. But be that as it may, he does have an extraordinarily 1980s looking costume. Yeah. I mean, it's quite, wow. It's quite wonderful. It, 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 is a, <laughs> it is a strong statement, my friend. It is a strong, <laughs> strong statement. He, he was created by Roger Stern yeah. and Tom Lyle. Hey, there's a good, yeah. good talents right there now, my friend. Mm-hmm. Good talents, no doubt about it. Um, he he, uh, and, I, and I think he, he debuted in Starman number one in '88. And I, I mean, seriously, he supposedly got killed by Eclipso, and it, it was, I mean, I don't know. I think it was really soon after, like just a couple of three years or something. It was pretty darn fast, I think. Yeah, because um, I looked him up on Wikipedia, and it said that. They don't know if he was killed or if he was merged with the Prince Gavin Starman. So mm-hmm. I wonder if they'll use that as the, oh, he's been alive the whole time. Prince Gavin, but, by the way, yeah. created by the all-star, all-star team up. I mean, this is like, after Jack Kirby, right. this might be my, my heaven, okay? Okay. Paul Levitz <laughs> and Steve Ditko. Oh. Oh my God! Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Yeah, it's like tailor made for me. I totally thought you were gonna say like Howard Mackey and um, Craig I, Land or something like that. Yes, Howard <laughs> Mackey and Craig Land. Oh God! And Scott Lobdell. <laughs> so he was a story consultant. That's right. Um, the other bit of news. And this will lead us into, segue us, my friend, into sure. our comics that we I do are. Ha- I do have one little bit since we just got out of Marvel. Um, yeah, go ahead. Reminder, this week, the Spider-Man game comes out for the PlayStation 4. Go get it. It looks really good. Just I concur. Yeah? I concur. That's good And it service. shows how long it's been since we've done this podcast. I know, right? It was just a blip on the radar. I know. So long ago. Oh. But hey, statistically speaking, the next time we do one of these, Smash Brothers will be out. Oh God! And I can talk about how I would won't totally be, kill you. Won't the PS the PS Five also be out by then? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, um, so no, the last bit of news. <laughs> it's been eighty four years. <laughs> <laughs> we even still play video games. <laughs> um, uh, we'll just be those two old Muppets from the Muppet Show. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we played Mario Brothers. No. Um, the, la- <laughs> the, last, uh, the last bit of news yes. deals with Jason Todd, and this oh. is appropriate since we are reviewing a Red Hood annual number two. Mm-hmm. Evidently, now, the Red Hood and the Outlaws, as it's been known since the beginning, yeah. has starred uh, uh, either Starfire and Roy Harper, mm-hmm. or Roy Harper, or Artemis Bizarro. Yeah. He's had a rotating cast of supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Well, he's going to go solo. Oh. Yes, in this month of September, uh, Red Hood and Outlaws is just going to become Red Hood Outlaw. And, yes, appropriately <laughs> named. And, and uh, Scott Labdell is getting a new artist who I do like a lot. Oh, okay. Pete Woods. Oh, okay. So I think that's a cool artist. Yeah, that's pretty good. They say that Roy Harper 
off the title. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll be dealing with Jason's the aftermath of of getting kicked out of Gotham City by the Batman. Huh, he got kicked. <laughs> yes, he got thrown out of Gotham City by the Batman for you know all he did was shoot the Penguin in the face, Stephen. You know what's what's wrong with that? Yeah, what, come on. Jeez. So, what do you think about the decision to give finally give finally did to, to get rid of this weird? Because let's be honest, the, the Red Hood, and the Outlaws was at this weird New Fifty Two Teen Titans amalgam. Yeah, it was awkward and put Roy Harper and Starfire, in my humblest opinion, in just a weird, just the wrong spot that they should be in in the DCU completely. Just completely. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't... Um, to me, those two are Dick Grayson's friends. They're not right. Jason Todd's friends. Right. Um, I don't think Jason Todd has any friends. <laughs> right. just me. Um, I mean, I'm... I'm glad that you know they're they're getting rid of that. I did like the um the weird Artemis and Bizarro too. mix with yes, him. Yes, I agree. Um, I agree. But I think it's time to let him you know I, do something a little darker, a little grittier, I, not as goofy. I think this and, title needs its rebirth moment. Yeah. And now that rebirth is is sweeping away the New Fifty Two wherever they can, I think it's time to cleanse the Jason Todd title of as much new 52 as possible. Like yeah. they have with everything else. It just, it doesn't in the post rebirth DCU, it doesn't fit anymore because it's one of the few remaining titles that still seems new 52 ish to me. Yeah. I would agree with that. And so I like this move. What I also like is Scott Liddell, who we absolutely give a hard time to all the time. Oh yeah, and let's be honest, deservedly, deservedly so. so. Yeah, <laughs> okay, deservedly <laughs> so. I mean, just pick up some of the comics he wrote for Image in the '90s, Ugh. or Marvel in the '90s. Ugh. Take your pick. I mean, I just, I just, I just, I have, I have Scott Liddell and Rob Liefeld just forever linked together in my head. I mean, that's <laughs> not a good association because no. I don't like Rob Liefeld either. Um, so, yeah. um. The uh, what you will like though, and, and as much as I, we've given, I mean, I have given him a hard time, Scott Lobdell. Mm-hmm. I have also, uh, to my own surprise, uh, praised a lot of his work on this title. You can go on yeah. to the, the Comic Book Revolution and click on Red Hood and the Outlaws and check out the reviews I've done for this title, and mm-hmm. I have actually been really surprised at yeah. how fun the title has been. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I am a believer that, look, uh, writers have peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. Some writers grow and evolve. Some writers regress. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, you can see the reverse. For example, James Robinson, I thought was uh, amazing yeah. when he wrote Starman. Oh, yeah. But James Robinson, since, yeah. he, a, lot, a lot of his stuff is just terrible. So yeah, that's why it was such a surprise that his Wonder Woman was so entertaining. Yeah, so yeah. writers can, yeah, they can evolve, they can regress, they yeah. can peak, they can fall. I mean, so it's you know, it, nothing is forever. Sure. And maybe Scott, maybe it's a combination of the right character mm-hmm. at the right time, and Labdell is just taking a different approach. I mean, I don't know. It could be that. You, you never know. But I, but yeah. surprisingly enough, I, I've been pleased with a lot that. Not that this has been a perfect title, don't get me wrong, but it has been fun more often than not. Yeah. Once we got past, 
in my opinion, it got a lot better when they got rid of the Starfire. Roy Harper were trying to be the Titans. Yeah. And once they transitioned to Artemis and Bizarro, mm-hmm. I thought the title really got a second win and really gained its legs, I thought, once he brought in Artemis and Bizarro. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and, I mean, everybody in, in a creative field has those moments. It's how the same guys who wrote Casino Royale and Skyfall also wrote uh, Die Another Day yeah. and The World Is Not Enough. So, oh, I mean, that's that. that's a... That's, <laughs> there is that. <laughs> that is that is literally lowest valley to highest peak. Yeah. And it's the same per- people, so... yeah. Um, but I mean, Scott Lobdell, please like cling to that peak as long as you can. Yes. Because like, Oh yes. Cause I've been very, I mean, I guess Red Hood is just a character. It, some, some right. Cause like Judd Winnick, that was the best work he ever did. Was it was. Back You're Jason right Todd, about so. that. And yeah. that's another good example of a writer who, again, I have to say his stuff is usually utterly unreadable. <laughs> I mean, it is as unreadable as any comic book writing I could think of. Mm hmm. But his Jason Todd yeah. was excellent. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the character. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. He's got some weird mojo. <laughs> brings it, he brings out the best of people. But what I did like is that uh, Lovedell is talking about the new direction for the title. Mm-hmm. And he made a comment, and I'm just going to quote him right here, Sure. Um, that uh, evidently now that he's taken, him, taken his team away from him, mm-hmm. because up until now, Red Hood and Outlaws has always had... A, it's been like a buddy, a buddy, a buddy comedy, yeah, kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. But now he, you're not gonna have. He's now he's on his own. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna be as as light and as humorous as he has been. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Labdell says, "quote He's not going to be Frank Castle morose." Okay. Which I'm okay with. Yeah. But more like Clint Eastwood in his earlier movies. Oh, okay. Read The Man With No Name. Yeah. For listeners who don't know who he's refer- what mm-hmm. he's referencing, those are The Man With No Name movies. He's going to be a man of much fewer words and much more violence. End quote. Oh, okay. I, now, as listeners may or may not know, Stephen and I, you mention, you, you, you evoke the great Clint Eastwood. You immediately have our attention. Yes. And furthermore, oh. you go one step further and invoke... The Clint Eastwood from the yeah. early westerns, and you have our attention at an even higher level because mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, in my humblest opinion, again the best Clint Eastwood. Oh yeah, is I the mean, western every, Clint Eastwood. Every Clint Eastwood oh, is great. Oh, all but, Clint Eastwood is great, but 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 the but the, the greatest of the great. Yes, is the peak Clint Eastwood. Yes, peak Clint Eastwood. Man with no name. Absolutely. Oh, so if he's so going good. for that vibe, I actually think that works. Way better with Jason Todd's character than simply and and and, and mm-hmm. I'll admit, yeah. I on an earlier podcast I said that Jason Todd should be DC's Punisher. Yeah, but yeah. but I think this is a better fit to make him more like the man with no name than Frank Castle. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think it just works more for his character. Yeah, Frank Castle is more unhinged than right. the man with no name. Right. So it wouldn't be a good fit. No, I think this I think Libdell's vision is actually pretty damn spot on for yeah. Jason Todd. And if this is what we're gonna get, Steven, this might turn out to be an even more interesting title to read. Oh yeah. So I am excited about that. I I, I, I love hearing he's saying all the right things. I'm not gonna get my hopes up. Well, it's still Scott Libdell. But <laughs> <laughs> I, if if that 
if like if if just a case of crashes and burns, if someone picks that up and does better with it, I yes. will appreciate Scott Lovedell for taking that direction. Absolutely, in the first place, so. absolutely. There we go. And with that, my friend, let's hit the comic, shall we? Let's do it. And let's start with Red Hood and the Outlaws Annual Number Two. All right. While we're here, two years. Mm-hmm, indeed, <laughs> the creative team is. Uh, we have two. Um, well, we have uh, the main story and then a tiny little. Mm-hmm. Backup story. Yeah, the main story is brought to us the words by Scott Lobdell, the pictures by Clayton Henry, the colors by Marcelo Malo. Now, it just starts with Roy Harper and Jason Todd back at Starfire's crashed crashed ship, mm-hmm. They're using it as a hideout while Jason Todd convalesces from the whooping that the Batman put on him. Oh yeah! Holy cow! That was Oof. that was not even a fair fight. <laughs> no, 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 nope, no, no, no. Do not piss off the Batman. No, got his ass yeah. kicked. Yeah, that's that's a bad idea. <laughs> so we have it's basically just Jason Todd trying to figure out what what am I going to do next, mm-hmm. and we see Roy Harper trying to think about what he wants to do next too because he's as we saw in some of the early issues he's also fallen off the wagon mm-hmm. with his drug addiction yeah and we see even talking to his sponsor Killer Croc through a hologram <laughs> yeah. that Amanda Waller allowed I I I like having I like Killer that. Croc yeah. as as his as Roy Harper's <laughs> sponsor yeah. and I like the little scene where you know Croc puts his hand up mhm and Harper puts his hand up and they kind of touch hands, the yeah. holograms, you know, touch hands. And Croc going, maybe the only good thing I've ever done in my life. It's been an honor, mm-hmm. you know, being his sponsor. It's, it's again, I got to give credit to Labdell. This never gets cheesy. Mm-hmm. It's never over the top or melodramatic. Yeah. It's, it's restrained, mm-hmm. yet still very emotional. Gets the point across really well in a nice, just a nice, normal fashion doesn't beat you over the head with it doesn't go on long soliloquies about it mm-hmm. it is it's each character is rather terse mm-hmm. but it's so it's so raw yeah and genuine it's a really powerful moment and it mm-hmm. it's a neat and the fact that it's killer croc yeah <laughs> makes it even but but it actually was believable yeah the way he delivered it. i thought this was a nice emotional scene yeah, and it was actually something that I had forgotten about. Me too. I totally forgot about it until like, I read it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like you said, it was surprisingly so. I was like, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it was an unexpected moment. Yeah. Huh. Then you've got Jason. You know, he's also uh, trying to search using the starship's uh, computer system to try to search for Bizarro and Artemis. They are lost somewhere in the multiverse. We don't know where. Mm-hmm. And so he clearly wants his team back. He, he misses him. Right. And then we eventually see time passes. Jason Todd heals up. He's good to go. And now that he is physically healed up and good to go, Roy Harper's like, all right, now that you're ready to go back to work, I can go. I've done, t- I've done my job of taking care of you mm-hmm. while you're recovering. I got to go and, um, you know, do my thing. What is right. his thing yet? Well, before we know, before we find out what it is, we have to have a little mission, right? Because you got to have action, right? <laughs> so the two of them go searching for um, a character that I don't really remember, Susie Sue. Yeah, who's a old villain, criminal gang villain of Jason Todd's, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's a underlife of some organization that Roy Harper had been doing research on. 
yeah. whatever. It's just an excuse to see some action in this. Yeah, movie. pretty much. Okay, that's mm-hmm. all it is. Don't don't look for a lot of depth in this part of the issue. <laughs> this is just here because there are four femme fatales, yeah, the sisters of Susie Sue, mm-hmm. who tackle with Red Hood and Arsenal, mm-hmm. and so we get a cool fight scene. Yeah, relatively cool. It's um, I uh, I liked the uh, again the trademark humor with the um, Roy Harper breaking out his helic uh, his propeller arrow. <laughs> To uh, during the fight to help them land from one rooftop to another. Yeah. Um, in, but then Susie Sue wakes up from her coma, fight stops, she calls off her sisters, everybody goes about their way. Again, yeah. really nothing happens. No. It's kind of, this was kind of like, I don't know why we're in this scene. I don't know what the point of the, our, our two uh, heroes coming to this scene, to this location and confronting Susie Sue were. Yeah. It just, it seemed... It seems like this was done merely because I got to have some fighting. But there's no real plot reason for any of this. Is there? Well, Maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but... Well, Rock, they thought that she knew about this drug, but then they had this long fight scene, and it turned out she didn't know. Yes. It, but it just, it's just not delivered in a particularly <laughs> compelling way, is it? No. The writing is a little really. weak here, yeah. and the fighting seems to be the kind of fighting that has no psychology. No. You know what I mean? And I don't think the fighting got our heroes... If you're about to segue Jason Todd mm-hmm. from Team Guy yeah. to Man With No Name Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. Man of Few Words and Lots of Violence, yeah, this fight scene doesn't really do it because evidently... And basically, he's, he's, he's fighting defensively because he doesn't want to hit a girl. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, look, it, in 2018, if you're going to have female superheroes and villains, you're going to get punched in the face. Yeah. I don't know. It's called equality. I mean, it, it doesn't make for compelling reading <laughs> if you got to have a super strong woman and you got to know she's strong, but then characters won't fight her because she's it's conflicting messages. It doesn't, and it doesn't make him look particularly bad. Like, the man with no name would take you out, yeah. man, woman, or child. Mm-hmm. He really wouldn't care. Yeah. You're in my way. I'm going through you. Yeah. And if you see all of his Western characters as the same, then mm-hmm. in um, High Plains Drifter, he takes advantage of a woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's the opening scene. Yep. Pretty traumatic. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I just, you know, this kind of odd, like, kind of outdated chivalrous kind of view of I don't yeah. fight women when this these femme fatales are clearly crazy highly trained assassins. Yeah. I mean bro, you come at me like a ninja, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you out. I don't care who you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm gonna punch you straight in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. And That's just me. <laughs> for me for me it just kind of it just kind of undercuts what he did with him where like when he Finally goes up and Thank shoots the penguin in the you. face like that. You give him an edge yeah. and a hardness, and then he comes across really soft here and like yeah. gentle and soft, but it's, not in a good way. It, he, it, it, it's, it's not. It doesn't make sense. He seems like a, a, a faux Dick Grayson. If you will. Thank you. Yeah. This is how Dick Grayson would have attacked. Would, would have reacted. Yeah. Because uh, to be fair, the, the 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 one femme fatale who's attacking him, I think, is like sixteen, seventeen, something like that. She's younger than the other ones. Yeah. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's more of a Dick Grayson approach than 
a character that you just had shoot the penguin in the face and is going to become your Clint Eastwood man with no name character. Yeah. So anyway, it could have been a good way to use that fight scene to continue transitioning Jason Todd to this new harder mm-hmm. image. Yep. I mean, imagine if Roy Harper stood there stunned yeah. that his boy just mowed these four women down with ruthless aggression. Mm-hmm. That would have really gotten the over with the reader. Like, oh, crap. Yeah. First he killed the Joker. Then he plows these four women over like, mm-hmm. I don't care. What is up with this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think he missed a little chance to do some psychology and character evolution. Yeah. It, yeah, it just, it just doesn't show that anything has really changed. Now, it was a pretty fluffy action scene. Mm-hmm. And then we, have, um, then we have the two gentlemen in a Jeep Wrangler. And I have to commend the artist. That he, he, Steven's like, oh, god damn it. Not I'm glad we didn't have a camera because most, <laughs> most of the time I would be looking at the camera like, like the office. <laughs> he purposely perfectly replicates a, uh, a, a, the, the Jeep Wrangler, the current model. Mm-hmm. He nails it. I mean, that's the exact bumper. I mean, really nicely done. I'm, I'm quite impressed. That's <laughs> good attention to detail there by the artist. Yeah. Um, anyhow, at this point, Roy Harper uh, drops the bomb that he's got to go to rehab. He found some rehab center for capes. Mm-hmm. He's going to go there, and um, he asks Jason if he wants to come, too. And Jason responds, I think rehab's for quitters. <laughs> and they kind of just stare at each other, and they both break out laughing. And, yeah. you know, Gory Harper's like, oh, my God, you're such a dick. Grayson. Oh! <laughs> and so they, they have their chuckle, and then they give a big hug, and Roy um, takes off. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, our, our, our buddy team is no more. Yes. And then we get a little short backup scene of Artemis. Being thrown into some, we don't know where she is, some random dimension, right? right? Some random, somewhere in the multiverse. And we see Bizarro is with her. Mm-hmm. And he's now dumb again. Yeah. But he, thank God he's not speaking the reverse Bizarro speak, which, <laughs> God, it grates on my nerves to read a comic. Like, I get yeah. why they, it just, it grates on my nerves. It really <laughs> does. Anyhow, so. They look around to see where they are in this multiple, this you know, multiple Earth, and they see the Hall of Justice, but it has been badly damaged and big spiky stone stalactitey things are shooting out of it, and uh, the someone has put the words punishment over justice. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's where our our two characters are trapped. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the issue. Uh, Steven, yep. Red Hood and Outlaws Annual number two. What do you think? Um, well, I know that, that annuals, <laughs> yeah, I know that annuals in general are, at least for the most part, are kind of supposed to be their own thing. Like, usually, oh, like yeah, usually right. they're just kind of like a side story or whatnot. Totally. But, I don't know. I just thought that after, um, after the last couple of issues, especially the last one that, mm-hmm. you know, we would have seen, like, the real consequences of that. Thank you. Yes. And, like, other than it being mentioned a lot and seeing that he was he was badly damaged, mm-hmm. like, they don't talk about how he feels about uh, Batman or the other members of the Bat family or anything like that. Yeah. They don't talk about, um, I mean, they have him searching for Artemis and Bizarro, but they don't really... S- 
we don't really see him affected by them being gone. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see the the Clint Eastwood guy we're gonna we're supposedly gonna get. Nope. And it it just kind of felt like a a, a wasted opportunity. Really, totally agree. Yeah. I I I completely agree. Um, like I said, there were there were bits and pieces that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, pick out certain moments that I thought were nice. I thought he properly conveyed the the physical beating that he took. Yeah, he properly conveyed. I thought he did a nice job with the scene between Killer Croc and Roy Harper. Yeah. Then I think the rest of it is exactly what you said. A, a missed opportunity, to be honest with you. A real missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 as if he just it's as if this was written before the, the past several issues were written. Yeah. You know, it, it just it just he doesn't follow up on it. There's just no follow-up. Mm-hmm. We just don't the only follow-up is the physical beating he got, but there's no follow-up to his to to the mental side of anything. Mm-hmm. There is no hint of a turn of his character. I mean, you know, it, it's like my go-to Stephen pro wrestling, of course. When it came, <laughs> Stephen's like, my God, I've gotten Disney World, I've gotten Cars, I've gotten pro wrestling. <laughs> Why me? <laughs> I just want to talk comics. And so, no, but but it, pro wrestling comics they go hand in hand. In the way you tell a story. Mm-hmm. And the way that you develop characters, you know, in good pro wrestling, a character when they turn babyface or turn heel, mm-hmm. it doesn't just happen. Yeah, good turns are done over. When Steve Austin, Stone Cold was originally heel. Yeah, they turned him babyface, but it was a slow. It was week after week. You saw him do little things here, little mm-hmm. things. They do little things. Suddenly, the heel doesn't tap out. Yeah. Suddenly the heel fights a little stronger. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the heel takes subtle little stands that a good guy might take. Just, but and you slowly bring the audience on this journey because the fun part to a turn mm-hmm. is not the result; it is the journey. What makes this individual change mm-hmm. their mindset, their worldview, how they act? What what? It's the journey to that change that is exciting, Mm -hmm. that is fun to watch. And when they make the turn, heel or baby face, Mm -hmm. that's the payoff. It is so much more satisfying when you've taken the viewer on that journey. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. You want, you you started the journey with him shooting the penguin in the face. You started continuing it with Batman, Mm -hmm. beating the crap out of him, throwing him out of Gotham City, and him being basically excommunicated from the... Uh, Bat family. Yeah. And now we're supposed to see his journey as he transforms into mm-hmm. this next stage of his life, this yep. Clint Eastwood-style character, this transformation, this journey. This journey doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's like he just reverts right back to where he was before he shot. It's like he reverted right back to where he was be- prior to shooting the penguin. Yep. It's like it's like from the minute where he shot the penguin to now was an imposter. Mm-hmm. Was somebody else posing as him. Yeah. That's really bad character work. It's really bad storytelling of a character arc. Yeah. It, it's really poorly done. Uh, it, it really boggled my mind. I was blown away by that. I did not see that come. I did not expect that. <laughs> I, I just really didn't. I yeah. figured this was going to be a transition issue, mm-hmm. transitioning us from 
the old title to the new and where his new character, the new take on his character is going to come from. What's his motivation? Why is he acting the way he's acting? How does he view the world differently? How is being excommunicated from the Bat family and the Gotham City impacted? I mean, all these things. You don't get any of it. No. It's really disappointing. Yeah, it is. I mean, that whole... that Because I thought, like, the last issue, I thought it was really... Like, I mean, very kind of powerful in yes. a way because yes. it's um, even putting aside what's been happening with Batman recently where, you know, he got stood up and all that. Like, that's a very, that's, Jason Todd is Batman's biggest failure. Right. And he's a walking, talking, you messed up. Exactly. And, you know, that, and, you know, Jason Todd is, you know, he's, he knows that. Right. He knows that that's how Batman views him. And they've had all these... Uh, another thing that I thought Lobdell did well way back before this is after uh, uh, Damien died, where like they kind of like reconciled a little bit. Yeah, and I thought that was done pretty well. And now mm-hmm. we've come back to where they were before, where they you know they're kind of enemies now, mm-hmm. and it's that was really emotional. I mean, because Jason Todd he. It was almost like he didn't put up a fight. Like he just he just got, he just oh, got he, wiped the floor. I wet. think he just kind of took the beating. Yeah, like he deserved it. You and, know what I mean? Yeah, and that was more about like I mean there was action, but it was more about what they were saying to each other. Right. That was like like wow that right. Like when he tells Batman, I never seen you hit the Joker this hard. Like oh yeah yeah that's it, that's rough. it seemed like Batman was laying down physical blows and and Jason Todd was laying down the the emotional mental blows. Yeah. He was going for the scarring that lasts longer. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I think, it's kind of, I think Lo- Lobdell was kind of hinting that Jason Todd's body will heal. Yeah. But uh, Batman's spirit mm-hmm. and mine, yeah. not so much. No. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's just, you know, when you get to this, and then, you know, he's, he's, all, he's kind of alone. You know, Artemis and Bizarro were disappeared while he was, you know, getting his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And, in the in the ship, it's like oh, searching the known multiverse, and it's like oh, can't find them. I'm done. Yeah, it's like well, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a uh, I, I don't know, like it. I because that because that if we just skipped this, I don't think we would have missed anything. No, no, you can definitely you can skip this issue all day long. Yeah, and all day long, this is a complete waste of money to buy. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is because even the even the fight scene is not that nah, exciting. It's not that good. It's um, not. And the final scene with with Jason Todd and Roy Harper. As much as I've really enjoyed the buddy team, and I thought mm-hmm. Lobdell's done a great job, that last scene just felt really flat. Yeah, just real flat. And I mean, I know it's just me, but I I don't like seeing those two as best friends. It's never it should be Dick Grayson. They've never sold it to me. Thank you. I agree. Um, I agree. I don't know who he would have been. Honestly, I would have preferred to have seen Jason Todd with nobody. No, he should have no friends. Yeah, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. And Roy Harper has always been Dick Grayson's friend. It just, yeah. it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's part of the new Fifty Two that needs to go away. Yeah, and um, I don't know. It's just, it's one. It should have been one of those issues. There's a lot of self reflection. Yep. Alone time. Yep. Dark panels where he's sitting there. Mm-hmm. Should have been should have been a much better character with him. Yes, absolutely. And then if he had to go out, then there should have been that moment yeah. that everybody has when they turn, 
you know, yeah. kind of bad, where it's like, you know what, screw it, and bam, 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 and that's it. Agreed. Totally agree. Now, the backup scene, mm-hmm. the just the very short backup scene with Bizarro and Artemis, I didn't mm-hmm. say. Scott Liddell's still doing the words. They changed the, the art, the, the art mm-hmm. uh, pencils with Neil, yeah. uh, Goog, and uh, inks by Wade Vaughn Grawbadger. What'd you think of the little backup? Again, it's only like five pages, maybe. What'd you think? I like, I love multiverse uh, stories. You talk, you you start hopping in the multiverse, going to multiple Earths. You get my attention. They're fun. They just, they just, they give uh, the. It's one of the few times writing for a big company like DC where things are very controlled editorially. It's one of the few times that writers get the green light to just go crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I I like that there's. Yeah, they're still around, but it's not going to be like six months until we see him again. Correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like multiverse stories too, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm interested to see how he weaves it in. Are. Yeah, like can he weave <laughs> this in in a seamless fashion that makes sense? Yeah, you know what I mean. Without seeing too clunky, like I'm reading two totally separate stories together. Yeah, smashed into one issue. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a backup story <clears throat> for a little while, and then mm-hmm. you know they might get their own, or it might be a little mini series. I don't right. know. I. I would like to see more of them. I like those two characters. Agreed. So. Totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. How would you grade out Red Hood and the Outlaws annual number two? Um, honestly, I would give it, I'd give the writing a four. I was really disappointed by most of it. Yes. The, um, the moments that I liked are the only ones that keep it from being lower than that. Yep. Um, and the art, I did like the art. I agree. Um, I hope we're not going for a cartoony style, because this is kind of you know, yeah. It's, it's a lot of what we're seeing now, where it's kind. It's not well. It's not really anime ish. No, it's like, but it's, it's, I know what you're saying though. It's yeah. It's, it's comic booky. You it's, know, it's cartoony little, art. It yeah. is. I no, I agree. And uh, but it, it, that's fine. That was obviously the tone they were yes. going for. So it's it's not like the it's not like the artist did a bad job. He did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um. So I would give that. I'd give that a seven. Yeah, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Uh, I'm going to go the writing. I'm going to be a little harsher because I think I've, I have enjoyed this title yeah. in the over the past um, you know year or so. I'm going to go three Night Girls out of ten. I, I think Libdell really, really dropped the ball, lost a really good opportunity to, to sell readers on this new direction for this title. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go three Night Girls out of ten. And the art, I like the art. It's good, solid. It's, yeah. not, it's not amazing. It's not, I mean, it's not going to blow you away, but it's really good, solid, strong, um, you know, comic book art. I'll go seven Night Girls out of ten, just like you. Okay. All right. How about we check out our three Marvel titles? Let's kick this one off with Marvel 2-in-1, The Thing, and Human Torch number nine. All right, this issue is brought to us, the awards, by Chip Zdarsky. Mm-hmm. The art is Ramon Perez, and the colors by Federico Bli. This issue, Stephen, takes place before the events of Fantastic Four and Born. Yes. Which, unfortunately, <laughs> robs this issue of absolutely any, uh, hmm, how do you say, <laughs> uh, drama... Um, tension, suspense, suspense, surprise. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it 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 really it really makes this a hard issue to read. And yeah. I get that you know, 
Marvel's editorial staff has to juggle a lot of titles, but, you know, uh, if you're the editor for the Fantastic Four franchise, you should be able to sync up two titles. I don't think I'm asking too much, too much in that. Too much for two titles. (laughs) Right. And maybe this could have been planned a little better. Maybe you delayed Fantastic Four number one's release or speed this up or something, but this is just poor... It, it's it's poor poor uh, it's on the editorial staff. It's not on, yeah. it's not on the creative team. This no. is on the editorial staff for screwing up the uh, the timing with these titles. Yeah, it's not like they were in any rush to bring them back before. So. No, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and then the Fox purchase hasn't gone through officially. I mean, it's going to go through, but it's not officially yeah. done. So they they could have waited until December. Okay, yeah. I, uh, we, just saying. Anyhow, um, so this is just this takes place on the. Not one an alt an alternate Earth. It's it's a battle world. Is this one battle world or um, old man Logan? No, I think I don't. It's not the battle world. No, it's not the battle but world. But it's it's. I think there was like a stadium called Battle World or something. Yeah, so. and, and yeah. in this world, Mad the Mad Thinker think is acting as Reed Richards, and he's given superpowers to some flunkies to make them the remaining Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ben and Johnny don't have their powers as a result of that scientist that they were traveling the multiverse with. Mm-hmm. She, she, um, she screwed him. Yeah. She ditched him. Uh, Rockna. Mm-hmm. She, she ditched him and, uh, uh, made their powers go bye-bye. Yeah. So they've because got, because they have to all be together r- to in, get the powers. Exactly. Exactly. Ter- well, well, to the inverse of the terrifics. Bingo. But, the inverse of the terrifics. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> So they've got no powers, and they face off against the Mad Thinker and his Fantastic Four, Sans powers, and still kick butt on the Mad Thinker and his Fantastic Four. Yes. Even with no powers. That's how awesome Johnny Storm mm-hmm. and Ben Grimm is. Yep. There you go. And then at the end of the issue, they are making their getaway uh, from the Mad Thinker and his Fantastic Four in a nice uh, – that's a nice – I'm going to say – my friend, that is a nice, probably, ooh, late 70s, square-bodied, uh, flare-side Ford F-150. Really well-drawn. I'm there, again, again. <laughs> we, hit all, we hit all of them. Yeah. I'll tell you what, when there's an issue where The Undertaker drives a Camaro to Disney World, he is going to just lose oh, his mind. I might pass out. <laughs> I might pass out. Oh man! <laughs> so, um, the um, the uh, post-apocalyptic alternate uh, universe spider girl woman, she's called the Spider. Yeah, appears Mad Max style. Yeah, blows as up there as one as one is want to do. Yeah. Blows up their sweet, sweet, sweet flare side <laughs> Ford F one fifty. Which that's some bullshit right there, Stephen. Let me tell you what. Um, that, that, that pissed me off. And so, and, uh, this shall not stand. No. And Johnny drags Ben out of the burning truck and they're trying to trudge their way through the desert. They pass out in the desert and then we see them suddenly, we see them get their powers back. Ben turns all big and orange and rocky. Johnny starts getting his flame action going. And we're like, well, how'd they get the powers all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. The boys wake up, and you see Sue Storm. Not the one from our universe. This is more of a young Sue Storm. Mm-hmm. 
uh, looking Mad Max-ish, post-apocalyptic-ish, <laughs> saying, it looks like you guys have found another fine mess, little brother. <laughs> and, oh, the issue. Um, Steven, putting yeah. aside the editorial <laughs> issues. Yeah. That really, really put a damper on the enjoyment of this issue for me. Yeah, um, I l- I've liked Zadarsky has been great on this title. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, yeah. dude, Marvel Two and One has been a really fun read. Yeah, since the very first issue, oh, I've yeah. really liked this title. Mm-hmm. It's a fun, fun, fun read. Zadarsky's got got a great. He has a great feel for these characters. Honestly, Chip Zadarsky, not Dan Slott is who yeah, should be writing the Fantastic Four. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I know Zdarsky doesn't have the years in with Marvel that Slot does, and I yeah. guess Marvel just feels like they owe Slot because he's been such a loyal, a loyal good soldier for them for so many years that they owe him this, you know, honor of being the writer of the Fantastic Four, but I think it shouldn't go based on just your tenure. It should go based on your talent and yeah. what your talent best matches up with. Mm-hmm. And... Based on Sadarsky's work on Marvel 2 and 1 with the thing in the Human Torch and the way he's been discussing the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and this family, Zdarsky's the guy who should be writing Fantastic Four. And if yeah. he was, that first issue would have been a better read. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The first issue was just such a, a tease. It was a prelude. Yeah. It wasn't like, an issue. It was a prelude. call it number zero. Correct. Like, why, why are you doing this to me? Right, right, right. <laughs> so I, I really... Unfortunately, yeah, Zdarsky's not the writer, but he should be. He yeah. has an excellent feel for. He's really displayed an excellent feel for these characters. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know. Dan Slott got to write his ten years of Spider-Man, and he did a pretty good job for most of it. It's like so, you know, why not let somebody new do the Fantastic Four, have their chance to, you know, make yeah. a mark like that? But no, he's. Relegated to the sidelines like, mm-hmm. for, ugh, for some reason. I don't know. Yep. Um, I mean, I honestly thought he should have gotten Spider-Man. I, I like the Spider-Man we have now. I like Nick Spencer Spider-Man. But, I um, I, like, come on. Give the dude a chance. I, <laughs> I agree. I think Zdarsky's really good. I think he'd do a yeah. nice job. But um, it's hard to put all that aside. But, I mean, I think with that out of the way, I think it is... I think it is a very, I think it is a really good issue. Yep. Um, it's, it's a, it's got emotion cause it's yes. where, um, cause in the last couple issues they found out or Johnny Storm found out that Ben had been lying to him mm-hmm. about, um, mm-hmm. Reed and Sue and, and his, and his niece and nephew he brings out. Um, it's, you kind of get a feel for their desperation mm-hmm. because they have no powers. There's no, no prospects, no yep. hope of anything. Yep. And um, it was, I mean, it's been really nice to see a more mature Johnny Storm. Yeah. It's so easy to write him off as just some, you know, airhead. Like how Dan Slott did in the first issue? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, unless they're getting mind wiped at the end of this, I don't see, right. you know, how you justify that. But, yep. um, and, you know, it's nice to see them, you know, get to be badasses yeah. without their powers. Without their powers. Um, like when Johnny Storm elbows the invisible dude in the face. Yeah, it's like I, I got I've an invisible, an invisible sister. sister. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like the use of the Mad Thinker. It's it's obviously not our 
mad thinker is somebody right, from another sure. universe who's come here to yep. Oh uh, well, we need to get rid of the old Fantastic Four because we're the Fantastic Four, yep. and he's got people who aren't loyal to him at all. The one, yeah. the blue flame lady is like, "Look, I I said I'd do three jobs for you." <laughs> exactly, and by nope. the way, I can't I can't turn these powers off. This really sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So I mean, it was it was fun. Um, I the art's a little a little bit off, but not too much. I I still liked it. It, it kind of fits because it's, you know, desolate, kind of janky world they live in. So, yes. of course, the art's going to match that a little bit. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I mean, there, there's not much more you, you should want from an issue except that for the editorial team to get yep. it together. I agree. And, you know, not fuck it up. I agree. This is a really <laughs> – it's a fun read. Like all of Zdarsky's issues on this title have been, it's just fun. It's it, The primary focus of this issue is action, adventure – and fun. It puts a smile on your face. You like it. He gives you great character work. He gives you great chemistry between Johnny and Ben. The, the, those two characters are so well developed. Yeah. Um, and I love his Johnny because you're right. He adds he adds a layer of maturity to Johnny's character that, while still being Johnny Storm. Yeah. That makes him so much more compelling. The humor is really well done without ever being cloying or over the top or yeah. forced. Mm-hmm. It's very natural. It's great. Uh, the action scenes are wonderful. They have good psychology. I like how Ben is able to take advantage of the inexperience of the powerhouse that he fights mm-hmm. to to defeat her yep. by tricking her into destroying support beams. The whole building falls on her while he escapes. <laughs> it's just good psychology. It's really well done. He uses the fight scene to show the uh, to to show Johnny and Ben's resourcefulness mm-hmm. and personalities. That's good action. Yeah. You can you can pull off character work in the action scene. I like mm-hmm. that. And and he really highlights that these characters are more than just they're more than just superpowers. Yeah. That's not what makes them the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. It's not the superpowers. It's their it's it's who they are. It's the it's their it's the characters that they are that makes them the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um it so, shows that, you know, I mean I think that um, this is the first time in a long time that they've really gotten this kind of a focus to show that, you know, they're not just, right. oh, the fire guy and, right. that, and the strong guy, the exactly. rock one. And I mean, because I, I, I really like Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four, but that was really the Reed Richards and that was the Dr. Reed Richards Doom show. show. Yeah, I totally agree. But um, so I'm, I would like to see this go on with just the two of them because I think it's a really good opportunity for them to shine, yep. you know? Uh, my only dislike for this issue, um, mm-hmm. aside from a really, really nice rendition of a flare side Ford F-150, yes. I did not like the artwork at all. A mm-hmm. lot of it looked, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be mean. It just sure. it looked bad. Yeah. It looked mm-hmm. amateurish. It's not, it, it did, it looked like I would, what I would expect on a, on an, on a low rung indie title. <laughs> it, it, or a web comic. It's not the quality that I would expect from supposedly the premier comic book publisher on the planet Earth. It's not. It just. It just. It's just not at all. And it for certainly isn't what you would expect when you factor in the price of admission for Marvel's comics. Yeah. So that would be my only complaint with the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. just. Very, very low quality for that's a um, fair one for, for, for a Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, if this is a web comic, fine. Yeah, got no. I, I got no complaint. You know what I mean? I have a different standard. Mm-hmm. But no, Marvel comic, and you're throwing down money that you throw down for Marvel's comics. No, 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 no. Um, but that was my only problem with the issue. That's yeah. it. Um, and I'm very curious to see. Uh, I, I'm very curious to see. Um, I, you know, has, Marvel hasn't announced this comic has been canceled. Mm-hmm. Have they? Um, not that I know of. I haven't seen anything. I, I want this title to continue. Even with the return of the Fantastic Four. Yeah. I think these two characters warrant. I think Ben Grimm mm-hmm. and Giant Storm warrant their own title. Yeah. Their own buddy title. Because their dynamic, the two of these characters on their own, their dynamic is different mm-hmm. than when they're put with the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And I think in it's just how it is, but it just seems like it's just the nature of the beast. It seems like these two characters almost always get overshadowed by Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Yeah, they do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So It's easy to overlook them. Correct. So I really hope this title continues. Yeah, I, I, I really do. How would you grade out Marvel 2 and 1 number 9? Um, this is actually kind of easy. I give the writing an 8, and I give the art a 5. There you go. Yeah. I will go, I'm lockstep with you. Okay. I will give the writing eight night girls out of ten. Mm-hmm. I will give the art um, three hungover night girls out of ten. <laughs> yes. I will not hold her hair. Uh, <laughs> Unless she drives that, that flare side. Then I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Next up is Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends number one. Mm-hmm. Now, this issue... Stephen is the kind of the tie up issue of all of the Hunt for Wolverine miniseries that you and I have read. Yeah, mm-hmm. a varying degree of quality. Well, I read, I read, uh, I three read three of those. Correct. I um, I skipped another. You skipped one. on which one did you skip on? Which one did you not read? Uh, I skipped on um, I skipped on the Claws of a Killer. Um, oh, starring Jennifer Connelly as Lady Deathstrike. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That one was not good. That was not good at all. No, it wasn't. Um, it did one good thing though. It killed, it killed Dakin. Dakin, which yes. made me so happy. <laughs> oh, I was like, you know what? This miniseries sucked. There's no reason. <laughs> there was absolutely no reason for it to have ever been published. But you killed Dakin. You now have my stamp of approval. Yeah. That pl- that miniseries absolutely had to happen. Yes. Thank you very much, Marvel. I put put it Best on reprint thing. until the end of time. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Best thing we could ever do. Get rid of that stupid asinine character. Should never been invented in the first place. No. I mean, whoever came with that character should get punched in the crotch. <laughs> stupid idea. Um. So thrilled that he's gone. Just punched twice. You know, Absolutely. Just to make sure they got the message the first exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, hands down, the best thing that's happened out of any Hunt for Wolverine miniseries, Stephen Stole My Thunder, was the death of Dakin. Bar none. So, three cheers for that. But all these, uh, it, it, I like Charles Soule's one with Daredevil and yeah. Misty Knight mm-hmm. and um, the Inhuman cop. Oh, uh, Frank McGee. Thank you, yeah. Um, (laughs) It's such a cop name. It is, isn't it? (laughs) But uh, all these miniseries, they all resolve, they all conclude in this one issue, Mm -hmm. Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends, and then this issue, it's the bridge. This issue is the bridge from the Hunt for Wolverine miniseries and the new uh, Wolverine. The Return of Wolverine. The Return of Wolverine miniseries. And did you, 
Did you get a load of how much Return of Wolverine number one is going to cost? I actually didn't. I might have to borrow this from somebody. <laughs> Seven ninety nine. Wow. You know, that's funny because I saw the price point for that new Uncanny X-Men number one. Yeah. Higher than that. Whoa. I'm talking like Action Comics 1000 price point. Whoa. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> wow. We, it's, okay, so we have... No, I take it back. Well, you know, I've, I've heard conflicting sources. Uh-oh. Four ninety nine. Oh, okay. Four ninety nine. That's not great. Um, Uncanny X Men is still four ninety nine. It's still is, like eight ninety nine. It's ridiculous. Is it really? Oh yeah, look it up. That's insane. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. I, I like. I, I hear your skepticism. I didn't want to believe it either. I said, "Are you serious right now?" And they they were serious. Yeah. How it's like how, how do you even how do you even I, I, It's like how okay how am I going to spend my my $10 on a comic book um this or two issues or Action Comics 1000 which is the thousandth issue of the most popular superhero ever or uh, I could get the upteenth reboot of the X-Men in the past 2 years um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna not do that. I'm gonna walk out of the store <laughs> and that's, never come back. <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh wow. I are these people like I don't understand the tone deafness here. Like they do not realize that they're making stupid moves. Oh yeah. It's getting <laughs> it's getting so expensive. Yeah. Um so yeah. so um so yes, this this is um mm-hmm. Let the me bridge. Pull it up. This is the said. bridge. Mm-hmm. All right. This issue. This issue is brought to us by Charles Soule mm-hmm. doing the words. Love me some Charles Soule. Yep. The artist is Ramon Rosanas, and the color artist is Guru EFX. Um, we begin with Antonio Fernandez bicycling his way through the streets of Barcelona. I have. Uh, my people hail from that region. <laughs> Just so you know, a little, little fun factoid about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barcelona, I have been there twice. It is very pretty. Mm-hmm. It is. And the people there are fantastic. Hmm. Why did my ancestors ever leave Barcelona? <laughs> I do not know, Stephen. I think it was, I do not I think know. It was a little different back in the day. Oh, uh, maybe so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so um, anyhow, we see everyone arriving at Xavier Institute, uh, you know, Daredevil, Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And they're meeting up with Kitty Pride to discuss what their mission is yield. And we mm-hmm. see Betsy Braddock is back to her original yep. English mm-hmm. form, prompting Chris Claremont to cry salty, salty tears. And um, for me, because I like the sexy ninjas. I you like, like the sexy ninjas? Sorry. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like original Betsy Braddock too, though she's pretty cool. I mean, I liked I like the way that they pulled it off. Right, right. But I don't know. I like the sexy ninja. Sorry, I I, I don't blame you. Yeah. I, I think you are in the majority, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite confident in that. <laughs> so Kitty uh, takes uh, Daredevil and and 
and Tony Stark into a room. They 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 trade. They just basically talk about what their miniseries are all about. Yeah. What happened, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they re- they recount the fact that Dakin died. Woo woo! Yeah. And it appears that a lot of this deals with a company mm-hmm. that Logan is evidently trying to take down. They they know Logan's alive. They just right. don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. But they believe he is under the control of under somebody. The, yeah. yeah, under the control of some big corporation. Yeah. Right? And it's the same corporation that we saw in the uh, the, the Dak and Jennifer Connelly Deathstrike <laughs> miniseries. Yeah. Uh, that, that corporation that created all the, the zombies. Uh, zombies. Yeah. In that small town. Mm-hmm. So. The, yeah. Apparently they also bankrolled Mr. Sinister. Correct. Um, right. And then uh, the thing in. They had something to do with Matt. Like they were kind of. They, on the outside of the Magifor story. But. Correct. Uh, they were involved. And then of course there was the. Whatever they found. They were they were keeping track of all of Logan's appearances. Which Correct. Which we saw in. Um, the, the, the Daredevil. The Daredevil one. one. Yeah. So. The long and short of it, after we've given all the stories, we've they've figured out that Soterra is the name of the company mm-hmm. that they have somehow they've somehow got their hands on Wolverine, yeah. on Logan, mm-hmm. and he is doing their dirty work. Yeah, um, and they're not able to. They don't know exactly what he's doing or where he is, but they know they got him and they're using him to do their dirty work. And Charles Soule then drops on us, David, a hell of a detailed mind map <laughs> that only a comic book writer who was also a practicing attorney would ever deliver. Okay? <laughs> would ever deliver, my friend. Yeah. I mean, this here is type A attorney crap. <laughs> it is. I mean, I looked at this thing going, bro, you did this just for one panel on a comic book. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yes, you probably do patent work. Um, <laughs> he, so, he's had that his entire life. It's like, I'm going to put it in. That's, put that's it right. In. Oh, there it is. That's right. I got my yes. chance. <laughs> I mean, look, I liked it. I'm giving it a hard time. Oh, yeah. I liked it. It's fantastic. I love I love this kind of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool mind map. And it yeah. clearly took a lot of time. And I appreciate writers who really dig their teeth into the story mm-hmm. and just get into the granule just the details on such a granular level. I love it. It's what Jeff Johns does. Mm-hmm. And I'm and Charles Soule, I'm telling you, that guy is underrated. Yeah. He is underrated. He's the best thing Marvel has right now. Yeah. He is. Oh, yeah. And so, anyhow. Um, <laughs> so, at this point, our heroes are then alerted by some projectiles that are uh, on their, making their way through the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, they are... Uh, rods that act as crude nuclear bombs because they drop from a high enough uh, they drop from high enough in orbit gravity pulls them down and they kind of hit with the impact of a mm-hmm. of a low tech nuke okay so our heroes assemble mm-hmm. take off and meanwhile kitty pride and daredevil do their thing to try to get everyone outside of the x mansion everybody get out everyone get out and storm Iron Man and Firestar from Spider-Man and his amazing friends yes. are streaking up to take out the four projectiles. Of course, there's only three heroes and four projectiles, Steven. Yep. I don't know. Storm takes one. Firestar takes another. That leaves two for 
Iron Man. Mm-hmm. That math doesn't work out so well. No. <laughs> so they stop three of the four rods. Yeah. And the fourth rod keeps on going. And it's heading straight for the X-Men mansion. Luckily, it misses. Uh, Kitty Pride uses her powers to... Um, it misses the house itself. It lands in the front yard, mm-hmm. essentially. And she uses her powers to phase it through the earth. And it goes into the earth and blows up deep, deep inside the earth, probably causing massive damage in China, but <laughs> nobody cares because this is New York. They don't buy comics. <laughs> there you go. That's right. So uh, Iron Man and Daredevil and Storm, they all converge with Kitty Pride, and they're like, what is going on? What is happening? And suddenly, out of nowhere, I'm not too sure how he got onto the scene, Stephen. It's not quite clear. No. But um, suddenly out of nowhere, a Grant Morrison appears <laughs> in a white suit and white gloves. And, and there, there, there's a ring of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten corpses. Oh, well, bodies yeah. under white sheets. Mm-hmm. And Daryl goes, Grant Morrison's got no heartbeat. And Nightcrawler's like, maybe it's a Drandroid, an LMD. And suddenly, a ghost-like female figure appears, and her name is Persephone. And she says that uh, she's here to um, um, here to thank the ex of the assembled heroes from the bottom of her heart, and that she's um, behind everything that they've discovered. That uh, everything is Sotera, and Sotera is her. Mm-hmm. All right. And then she goes and points to one of the bodies covered by the white sheets and says, this is Antonio Fernandez, the 16-year-old from Barcelona. Mm-hmm. He's very special. In fact, they're all very special. They all possess the X gene, and but it hasn't manifested yet. Mm-hmm. And so she goes... Um, the genetic database I stole from Mr. Sinister told me where these mutants were. Mm-hmm. And there are thousands more across the planet. She now holds the name of every X-Gene holder on Earth, whether activated or not. Mm-hmm. All tomorrow's mutants. And she goes, I know you want answers. You want to catch the villain. You want your friend back. But I warn you, stop looking. Or these ten are just the beginning. Okay, so these are, in fact, dead yep. mutants. Mm-hmm. Or soon-to-be mutants. And Grant Morrison then collapses, dead in the scene. He must have been just an animated corpse. That's why he had no heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And so Iron Man's like, what the hell? we got (laughs) to track down all these X-Gene holders and protect them. Don't you have a machine that can identify mutants? And Storm's like, my bad. Cerebro can only detect those who have manifested their powers. Mm -hmm. Persephone has chosen her targets well. Yes, indeed. And Kitty Pryde just stands there. Nothing to say. And then we cut to Persephone at her home base. And she is in a white, like a white headquarters with circular windows that show a red sky. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's on Mars. Hmm. Don't know. Yeah. Anyhow, she says, um, we then see her going, well, you know, I hope they got the message. I don't like killing children. And then she walks over, and we see Wolverine captured mm-hmm. in energy bonds. We see his super hot fire claws. Yep. 
And Persephone goes, this will all be over soon. To be continued in Return of Wolverine, number one, Stephen. Yep. This, my friend, is the type of issue that Fantastic Four, number one, should have been. Yeah. It should have been a preview issue. Yeah. Just like this. Mm-hmm. However, even this preview issue, which was transparently a preview issue, yeah. gave us more story and plot progression yeah. than Fantastic Four 1 did. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, Steven, yeah. Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends number one, what'd you think? Um, I really appreciate that they <laughs> they they went apparently they went into this going, well, we can't assume that everybody read everything. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So yes. yeah, let's just tie it all up. But there, oh. there, and there's a lot. There's oh a yeah. Lot, a lot to go over. Oh yeah. But I think they did it pretty well. Um there is some I don't want to say can, there's a little bit of confusion in certain parts. Like, okay, so wait, this, so this happened, and then, and then, oh, so that's what Mister Sinister was doing. Yes, and all that. But I think, I think it's one of those things where if you read it again, like I did, then it'll, you know, it'll become more clear. Absolutely, it's not, it's not like intentionally, like confusing or misleading. Or, yeah. no, 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 no. It's just no. that there's a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But um. You're taking a whole bunch of miniseries and trying to cram them into one issue. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think they have um, some good, some good work between all the different characters, the yes. three main characters. Yes. Um, there's, you know, they got they got some some good action in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's only mm-hmm. a little bit, but yeah. there's some. And and then they have the the big reveal of the bad guy, which I thought was pretty was pretty neat. Because I don't think we've seen that in the X Men, which nope. is very odd to say. Yep. Because if, mm-hmm. I mean they've kind of been through everything, and I also thought it was funny to <laughs> to see Iron Man's reaction because like oh this is what it's like over here. <laughs> yes. 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 This is why I don't hang out with you mutants. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but um, I, I think that the name of the villain is very interesting. Persephone. Agreed. Given the. You know all the myths surrounding her. Yes, indeed. And um, I was very surprised that, oh yeah, I just killed him. Like these these mutants are soon to be mutants. Yeah, yes. I killed him. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very <laughs> like just hey, matter of fact. There, there it was. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I mean, I I don't know exactly what they have Wolverine doing, but I am very interested to find out. Because it yes. seems like they don't need him. Like, they have everything in hand, but yes, but we'll see. <laughs> indeed, indeed. No, I agree. I think that, I think that Charles Soule is just, he's such a good writer. Yeah. He takes the daunting task of taking <laughs> not one miniseries, yeah. not two miniseries, not three miniseries, but four, <laughs> four miniseries. Yep. And tying them all together mm-hmm. in, a, <laughs> in one single issue. Yep. And making it <laughs> new reader friendly. Yep. And seamless <laughs> and organic and logical. <laughs> Holy shit. And he <laughs> 
does it. <laughs> and he does it. Yep. Do you... I, I think people don't... That is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. That is hard work. Yeah. Uh, not, not every writer could pull that off. <laughs> that, that is some serious writing chops. Yeah. To take four separate miniseries time all together and he does do it in a very organic natural fashion mm-hmm. and it's very logical yep. and you can follow it easily and it all makes sense yep. and it is all new reader friendly yep if you didn't read those four miniseries mm-hmm. you'd still you'd still understand the issue yeah just fine mm-hmm. if you read two of the four you still understand it yeah just fine that is excellent yeah excellent writing the mm-hmm. plotting is flat out Phenomenal. Yeah. Soul knows how to plot complex mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. He oh, just yeah. does. Mm-hmm. He never loses focus. Mm-mm. He never loses his attention. No. He never gets he he never meanders or wanders. He never wastes space or words. Absolutely not. Yeah. Every panel he delivers has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Has a purpose to it. Right. There's not gonna be any fluff there. Mm-hmm. It is such Fantastic plotting and excellent pacing. Mm-hmm. The issue moves, while it's not lots of action, it moves with a purpose mm-hmm. in mind. And it's interesting. It absolutely, it captivates your attention at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And it keeps you hooked to the very end. Yep. It's got a wonderful flow. It's got great scene transitions. This is just great technical writing. It just it is really good. Really good stuff. How he is able to combine all these four <laughs> into this one issue, and then, and then in the midway point of this issue, Stephen, he goes from tying up four miniseries and then makes a little slight pivot transition into building the foundation and bridge to the next miniseries mm-hmm. again in a seamless. <laughs> I mean, it's seamless, isn't it? Yeah, it never feels jarring or clunky at all, does it? No, 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 no. it's fantastic. So that's just excellent, and the character work, I thought, is great, and he's taking characters that don't really have a history with each other. You don't see Iron Man with Daredevil, with Kitty Pryde that often. Mm -hmm. You just don't, but he's able to make them all work very well together. It's good character work. The chemistry is actually really good. To pull off chemistry with these kind of characters... That's not easy to do, mm-hmm. but he does it. It's very, it, I like it. It just, it just works. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I also like, um, I, I, there's of course soul. He just, he always puts a nugget in there. Always puts <laughs> a nugget in there. And when Tony and Daredevil arrive at the X-Mansion, Kitty pride, you know, opens the door to him. It says, welcome to X-Men to the X-Mansion. Hope you survived the experience. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is an awesome that is an awesome callback to, oh my goodness, to, and I have this issue, of <laughs> course, to the Uncanny X-Men number 139 <laughs> back in 1980, and the cover has Kitty Pride in the middle of the cover. And it's got three different action scenes of the X-Men doing their thing, yeah. but it says, welcome to the X-Men, Kitty Pride. Hope you survive the experience. <laughs> it's like, what an awesome, awesome callback, Stephen, to a comic book cover from 38 years ago. Like that's I <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yes, that is that's that's awesome. That, I love that kind of stuff. I, I just I love it. I love it. Um anyhow. So 
And then we get the new villain. So I, you know, you get the reveal that the, that the corporation, uh, uh, Sotier is behind everything. But then we mm-hmm. we get we get a villain. You need that villain, and that and yes. I'm with you. That scene was so well done because you don't know that those are all corpses. Yeah. But once you re- once you you know he hints at it that Grant Morrison has no heartbeat, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you're like, whoa, hold on. And then when he collapses, you're like, oh crap. Yeah. That was a corpse too. Hmm. Um, but she's, he makes Persephone obviously a threat, mm-hmm. but she's not twirling her mustache yeah. mm-hmm. of a threat. You get the general feeling that she doesn't enjoy doing what she does, but she's going to do it to achieve her Mm-hmm. objective yeah i mean he makes a point of saying at the very end of her saying wow i was nervous because those are the elite stark in particular yeah. but i think they know I'm, I'm honestly trying to do you know what I, i'm honestly trying to do the best thing i think it there is and i don't like i don't like killing children it, it, so you're seeing her nerves you're seeing yeah. the respect for big names like tony stark you're seeing that she doesn't like what she's doing but she has to do it it Keeps her from just being this over the top. You don't take seriously comical, yeah. dick dastardly villain, mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah. And of course, the name Persephone is super cool. Yeah, that's a great uh, because let's be honest, comic books are just modern mythology. Yeah, and so I always like it when writers are inspired by Greek and Roman mythology. And Persephone, for those that don't know is the wife of Hades, Mm -hmm. making her the queen of the underworld. So that definitely goes in line with this woman who is animating corpses Mm -hmm. and killing children. It works with the name. It makes her gimmick more interesting. It makes her character Mm -hmm. more interesting. And just want to put it out there, Stephen. (laughs) Marvel, you want to mix things up with your characters. You want to bring diversity to your characters? Follow Charles Soule's way of doing it. Yeah. You're, it's a female villain. Mm-hmm. She's black. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not delivered in an all-new, all-different way. No. So you can make your world <laughs> more textured and diverse. Mm-hmm. But in an intelligent yeah. and engaging and interesting manner. <laughs> I know it's shocking. I know it's shocking. I know. I know. Crazy. This is how you do it, though. You know, this is how you do it. Yeah, I agree. It's nothing all new, all different about this in the least bit. Yeah, because so, no attention is really paid to it. Nope. Until the end where you see, oh, okay, well, she's black. But it doesn't matter. And she looks a little older, too. She does look older than I thought, actually. Because yeah. I thought she was like a teenager when when she first appeared. I don't For some reason, the, the st- <laughs> she's thin and looks small in her costume. I yeah. thought she was going to be a young character. Oh, I did too. It's like, okay, she's dressed like the Emperor, except white. Right. I was like, oh, okay, well, she's as old as the Emperor. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. So, cool character, though. Persephone, yeah. I think, is a cool character. So, I, so we got everything you need for a good big event mm-hmm. in Return of Wolverine. Yeah. You need to have a good villain. Oh, yeah. And I think Persephone is a pretty cool villain. I think she's going to provide uh, some quality, um, quality tension and uh, a legit threat, mm-hmm. and be a compelling villain. I think y- yeah. you got to have that to make it work. 
Yeah, I think the most compelling villains are the ones where I'm. I'm sorry, like just knowing what you know about her now, I don't think that she could stand up to Iron Man and Daredevil and the right. X Men. But she's still a threat because, well, we don't really know what she's capable of except right. that she can reanimate corpses. But we don't know what else. Right, and and you find her, you do find the character compelling in that she's got some depth to her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She seems pretty interesting. Like, okay, yeah. you don't, you don't, you can't quite figure her character out. Mm-hmm. You can't predict it. Yeah. Which you know what I like. I like that yeah. in a character. So again, Charles Soule, he just he just kills it. He just continues yeah. to kill it. The man can do everything. The man can do action. <laughs> he can do character work. He can do complex world building. He can plot and pace. He the man can do everything. He can do comedy. He can do comedy. Mm-hmm. I just Charles Soule. Again, my opinion, that's the writer that Marvel should be hitching their wagon to right now. Yeah, he is I agree. the best writer they have, mm-hmm. bar, none. bar none. Yep, bar none. Mm-hmm. That's the man. I strap a rocket to his back and <laughs> boom, ride him all the way to the top as far as I can. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. How how is Charles Soule not on the Avengers? How is mm. this guy not on Iron Man? Yeah. How is this guy not handling some of your high-profile titles? Yeah. Boggles my mind, Stephen. Totally boggles my mind. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, uh, some of their writers they have, like, not that they're not bad. It's like they're good at, like, one thing. Correct. A couple of things. But he is good at he's everything. He's the Swiss Army knife yeah. of comic book writers. Mm-hmm. He really is. Yeah. It, that, that is such a, a rare talent to find. Yeah. That is a rare talent to find. And they better hold on to him because... Oh, gosh. Anybody... Like, I mean, after that loss of talent to Image and then to DC, like they need to keep... They yep. need to like say, what What do you want? Yep. I'll pay you anything you want. Just stay yep. here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And oh, he's... Yeah, he's... He is... Like, I, I'm very surprised that, you know... After that that wave of like real talent left, that, yes, that we were able to find somebody as good, if not better, than some of those. Yep. So, um, mm. what'd you think of um, what'd you think of the artwork? I liked it. It's um, I mean, it's not it's not the best in the world, but it's very you know, it fits the issue. It's um, there's lots of holograms and and then the mind map. Yep, of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the action scene is, is really cool to look yep. at. Um, I like the design of Iron Man's armor. Agreed. It's like a motorcycle armor. Yeah, right? it's, it's cool, cool, isn't it? And, um, you know, and they all look really cool when the yep. X-Men are in action. I'm yep. glad to see Firestar, by the way. Yeah, that like, was nice, wasn't it? I was like, oh, hey. Um. And her classic Firestar yes. outfit. Uh, Firestorm, jeez. Her <laughs> classic Firestar outfit, too. She looked just fantastic. I love that costume. Yeah. And, um. So yeah, I mean, I I really liked it overall, and I like that the way that Persephone looks, even when she's not a hologram, she yes. looks she looks like a ghost. Yeah, it's cool looking. Yeah, it's a cool design. And um and like you said, I wonder I it's kind of like okay, I wonder where she's at. Like, where is her base located? Yep. Because you said Mars, and that's and that's a good guess. I'm wondering if she's like maybe just underground or something somewhere. But you know, we'll we'll see. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I really like the artwork too, for all the same reasons yeah. you said. I'm, I'm not going to repeat them, but the artwork is fantastic. I really, really enjoy it. This is good superhero artwork. Mm-hmm. I only have the ones because you know me. I gotta, I gotta find the small little details <laughs> and just be like, what the what? Kitty Pride's costume. 
Kitty Price. I, I don't, I, okay, so this is what I don't get. Um, a lot of the X-Men, especially in recent years when they went away from the the individual costumes and went for, to more of the team design costumes, yeah. you know, um, they looked the best when they had like the, uh, the, the Dave Cockrum individual style <laughs> <Yeah>. costumes. But <laughs> when they went to the more team style costumes, they've, they've, and they've stuck that for a while, they, they usually have a, a unitard costume. The women do usually have like a yeah. unitard. And even the guys like Cyclops will rock a unitard style mm-hmm. costume. So Kitty's costume is clearly, it is clearly a unitard. It's clearly a unitard. And she has pulled granny underwear over <laughs> a unitard. I mean, it's that's clearly a unitard. She's where you can tell why he draws the unitard. It's clearly yeah. a unitard. Mm-hmm. And she's pulled this granny, and it looks like saggy, big, and dumpy. It does. Doesn't look big and saggy. It does, though, right? Like this, this big saggy granny underwear over top of a unitard. And it looks weird. <laughs> it looks, it's like she has an adult diaper on. It looks weird. <laughs> it's weird looking. It is weird, weird, weird. Don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> oh, you, you did not see that coming, did you? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> but I mean, compare and contrast. Look at Firestar's uniform. It is also a, a unitard. Yeah. And it looks normal because she didn't put on this weird, dumpy, <laughs> saggy, baggy underwear on top of it. Storm's costume is also a unitard. Yeah. Again, it yeah. looks normal. That's how you design it. Most, a lot of costumes. Are, Spider-Man's costume is a unitard. Yeah. It would look weird if he had, like, these weird, <laughs> <A> dumpy, diaper. <laughs> diapery <laughs> underpants pulled over it. It's just, it just weird, that's all. Anyhow, oh, my, my one random observation. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I, I always got to bring something random to the table when it comes to artwork, Steven. Yeah. Um, otherwise, no. Fantastic looking issue. Really, really liked it. <laughs> How would you grade out <laughs> Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends number one? Um, I would give the... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'd give the writing a... I'll give the writing a... Um... Oh, man. Hmm. It's like I'm literally teetering between a nine and a ten because, like, yep. just as far as what just he had doing to something do. like this, technically, it is perfect. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting a ten. Nice. I, like, honestly, I wish people would like this. Needs to be an issue people will read, like, and study in the future when they're tying something up, or even how, if they're how to yeah. tie up multiple different storylines, mm-hmm. make it new reader friendly, yep. and then transition seamlessly into laying the foundation for a net for a new big event yeah dude that's amazing mm-hmm. that that's textbook this is clinical oh yeah he put on a session yeah i th- i mean i think i'll i'll probably read this because i like his use of like you know just throwaway lines that say a lot like absolutely you know, like, so what about dakin oh he's dead he does yeah charles soul does n- there nothing <laughs> that guy does doesn't have a purpose yeah Every little thing he does mm-hmm. has a purpose. Yep. There's nothing throwaway with this guy's writing. No, it's and, amazing. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'll give the, the the writing a ten, and I'll give the art 
I'll give it um, eight adult diapers out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I will uh, go. I will go. Um, I'm gonna go with you, man. I'm gonna go with you. I I I, I I'm stingy with the tens out of tens. Mm-hmm. I am very stingy. It's just my nature. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ten out of ten with the writing, just because I just think, from a technical standpoint, soul put on a clinic to the level that you just don't see with modern comic book writers that often anymore. You just mm-hmm. don't. It's it's pretty badass, um, and I will go with the art. Eight good looking unitard wearing <laughs> night girls out of ten. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we only killed Dakin, so yay! <laughs> Bonus two points. Eleven out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last issue, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Let's keep the X train rolling, shall we? All right. There's something wrong. <laughs> there is something wrong about seeing Cyclops and Colossus and Iceman in 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 Rachel Summers' uh, Hounds outfit. It just doesn't work for me, Steve. That red bondage outfit. Yeah, wear. it does. <laughs> it doesn't work. It it Rachel pulled it off in the '80s when she first debuted it. She pulled it off, and she's pulled it off uh, subsequently every single time she's had to wear it. She's pulled it off. Yeah. It is not a costume that's pulled off well by a guy. <laughs> it's just it's, – I'm calling it, Steven. I'm calling it now. People can disagree. That's cool, man. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat. Everyone's got different views of everything, right? <laughs> it do, That costume does not work on the male characters. It just, it just looks weird. Yeah. Probably because I just associate it with Rachel – Summer so much. I mean, it's well. She wore that in Excalibur forever. I mean, yeah. that was like her default costume for a very long time on Excalibur. So I mean, it's just I bet when I think Rachel Summers, I think that costume. Yeah, that's for me. That's the that's her classic costume design. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, yeah. just weird. So moving on. <laughs> that's my one random observation, Stephen, for the artwork. I got it out of the way early, okay? Yeah, there you go. That's a good point. And I don't think they drove any cars in this one, so I can't comment on the making <laughs> model. Um, <laughs> um, this issue, <laughs> Extermination Number 2. So this is part two of five of the X-Men's big event. Uh-huh. The words by Ed Brisson. The art by Pepe Larraz. Mm-hmm. The colors by Marte Garcia. Uh, Gracia. I apologize. And it, it, it does give us the little recap page in case you forgot the first issue or in the, you know, it's just, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the X-Men franchise. Yeah. Steven, it, mm-hmm. I, I'm somebody who has been reading <laughs> X-Men since the freaking dawn of time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, I grew up reading John Byrne, Chris Claremont X-Men. Mm-hmm. So I, but even I nowadays, <laughs> I, I pick up an X-Men comic and my head starts to hurt and my eyes start to glaze over. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, this is just too much. And I don't know how newer readers view the X-Men. It, Steve, the X-Men have to appear to be absolutely impenetrable to a newer reader. Mm-hmm. They have to be. The, this, their continuity is a hot mess. It is the most... It is, Look, and I'm a longtime Legion of Superheroes fan. Huh. All right, so I know a thing about a hot mess of a continuity. All right, my friend. Oh, yeah. believe me, I do. But uh, the X Men franchise has the most jacked up, convoluted, mm-hmm. 
make no sense continuity that anybody has ever had. It's the worst. <laughs> it is the kind of continuity that would make me as a new reader go, uh-uh, no, mm, I'm out, bye. <laughs> I'm tapping out already. I want no part. I hard pass on that title. You know? I'm just not going to read it. So anyhow, uh, <laughs> they do recap that um, the gist of it is Ahab, who uh, we all know gave us Rachel Summers. Mm-hmm. He has the hounds, which she was a hound. Yeah. And he is back, and he's hunting down the young X-Men. Mm-hmm. He attacks Cyclops, the young one, and Bloodstorm. <laughs> oh, the God. Making my case in point about the X-Men's continuity, this is your alternate reality of Vampire Storm. <laughs> <laughs> and your head just exploded trying to comprehend all of that. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Well, luckily, they killed her off. Yes. And what I'm hoping, Stephen, mm-hmm. I am really hoping that extermination kills off like 99.9% of all the mutants in the oh. Marvel Universe. They, they, they got it. They just, they got it. They, it, it it's time to burn it with fire <laughs> and start again. You know what I mean? <gasps> burn it. with. And you know me. I'm Mr. Old School. I'm Mr. Continuity, right? I'm the I'm probably the last person anybody would ever advocate killing something with fire and starting over with, right? I mean, that's not my style. I, I'm definitely not that way. I am traditionalist. Right. I love continuity. I, I I don't like changing stuff mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. At all. Extermination, please exterminate like almost everybody. Please. <laughs> And let's just start over. Just start over. I'm almost at the point where I'd be okay if Marvel did to the X-Men what DC did to the <laughs> Legion of Superheroes and just went, oh, God, I don't know what to do with this anymore. Reset. <laughs> Anyhow. So, with that out of the way. Well, yeah. <laughs> with that out of but the I way. Digress. <laughs> but I digress. But I digress. Yes. So, we, we, we begin with a guy shopping in a grocery store. Someone approaches him and says, you Calvin Rankin? Yes. Blam! Shoots him with some trank electric dart thing. We think. We don't know if he's dead or not. But it's electrical. We know. Well, it makes a bang sound, but then we see electricity around him. If it's electrical, Stephen, there's no bang sound. <laughs> if there's a bang sound, there's no electrical. That doesn't, that, 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 it's a bullet or it's a taser. <laughs> they don't, they, zzz, taser, yeah. bang, bullet. I'm just saying. Anyhow, um, and that's the line. And then we cut away. And uh, for people who don't know, because you're never told at mm-hmm. any point in this issue who the hell Calvin Rankin is. Yeah. He's Mimic. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. He's Mimic. Yeah. That's a very minor, minor, minor character in the X-Men franchise yeah. history. The fact that, that, that Bryson drops this guy here and doesn't tip you off as to who he is. Kind of robs the whole. I mean, the reader can read it and be like, "Oh, random dude, whatever." But moving on, yeah. You know what I mean? You might want to educate him a little bit about who he is. Maybe <laughs> a little dialogue thing, whatever. Anyhow, we go to the Xavier Institute for your mutant education and outreach. Again, it used to be just called the X Mansion. Mm-hmm. Now it's like twenty twenty words, Stephen. It's just it's, <laughs> even the names for the stuff have gotten too long. 
and convoluted. So we see the young X-Men, Jean Grey and Cyclops. They're talking and Cyclops is upset about how he got Bloodstorm killed, but he shouldn't be upset about that. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and Cable also got killed too, Yeah, which... What the hell? You know that's not permanent because no. it's freaking Cable because and he's he in a movie and by younger Cable, right? Exactly. And it, what? <laughs> I just so you know, older Cable is going to show up at some point and kill younger Cable. Probably. That's yeah. my guess. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, and Cyclops is beating himself up for getting Bloodstorm killed, and he's all upset that here they traveled to the future to try to fix all the problems and make a difference, but nothing has changed. They're still fighting, and it's just... And I, I get him. It's like the whole X-Men franchise. Everything is a mess, Stephen. Yeah. And then we cut to inside the X-Mansion, and we see that all the... We got we got a collection of a whole bunch of mutants mm-hmm. here. We got ones you know, ones you don't know. We yeah. got all the young ones, and then we got some of the older ones, then we got some of the new mutiny ones, we got some of the X-Force ones. Some of the X-Factor. And the X-Factor. And then, who busts into the room, Steven? <laughs> who, tell, t- tell the people who busts into the room. Is it Shatterstar? Oh, God! <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Let me tell you what's ah. the best handling of Shatterstar's character that has ever been, mm-hmm. and how they should have handled his character in the comic, <laughs> is from Deadpool 2. <laughs> That's how you handle Shatterstar's character. That's how you handle it. Yeah. And then you move on. I just, of, of all, and you know he's getting a title. What? He's getting a title. You're lying. I'm, I'm, no, no, there's no yes. way. Sh- no, 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 no. Shatterstar. Don't you do it. No, Shatterstar number one. No. 2018. Boom. Shatterstar gets a solo series oh straight from Marvel.com. Tim Seeley and Carlos Villa will tell a new Shatterstar story starting this October more specifically, my friend, October 3rd. Ready for this? A gladiator, a warrior, and a superhero. Shatterstar has been many different things, but throughout it all, he's always been deadly. This fall, enter the darkness with Shatterstar number one. Written by Tim Seeley with art by Carlos Villa, the limited series will bring a new birth for the long beloved character, beloved uh-huh. by who? By by who? By by Rob Liefeld? <laughs> by Scott Lobdell? I don't know who else would beloved this character. Uh, quote: I was twelve years old when I first saw Shatterstar in the pages of New Mutants, and I was the perfect age to be intrigued by. No, no. Guess guess who else? Guess who else saw Shatterstar when he was twelve years old? Huh. This guy. And guess who was not impressed at him when I was twelve years old? Uh, this guy. Because even at 12, I was like, that character's crap. (laughs) (laughs) The writer explains, the dude's an alien gladiator, and within pages of us meeting him, he stabs himself with his own swords in order to kill the bad guy standing behind him. That is so 90s, Steve. (laughs) God damn, if that isn't so 90s. Yeah. Something should have stayed in the 90s. And I would say Shatterstar (laughs) is one of those things. It needs to... And how does he explain? Um, how does he explain his pitch for the new book? You're oh, gonna like this okay. one, Stephen. Stephen, I know, I know the franchises you enjoy. I know the franchises you appreciate. 
Hold on to your seat for this one. What was Seeley's pitch for this new book? Quote, when the life he built crumbles, Shatterstar is forced to ask himself if he truly ever gave up the gladiator ring. This series will be part John Wick. Oh, God. A dash of Will Eisner's A Contract with God. And infused with lots of, lots of interdimensional X-Men superhero mythos. Specifically, specifically, classic 80s and 90s X-Men stories. Quote, I really stuck close to the Fabian Nicesia Rob Liefeld stuff. And quote, look, buddy, if you're going to invoke classic 80s X-Men, there is no Fabian Nicesia or Rob Liefeld attached to classic 80s X-Men. Period. Full stop. End of story. Move on. Thank you for playing. <laughs> what? I, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> I am literally have no words, Stephen. I have lost the use of the English language. I am now going to transition to Spanish for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. You know we're reviewing that first issue, don't you? (laughs) Yes. You know what? This sounds like... This sounds like... um, This sounds like 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 Battlefield Earth levels of fun, terrible. Oh, God. I want it to be the worst. If it's good, I will be disappointed. I will be, too. I want this to be so bad... Yes, that, that I love it. That I, yes. That, <laughs> that I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Oh, man. I, if, it, if this is not terrible. I want Shadowstar <laughs> to knock Star Fox off as the number one Marvel <laughs> superhero of all time. <laughs> oh, my God. I want. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I, yeah, I want, I want him to stab himself to kill a villain every single issue. Please and do. if I don't get that. I will be sorely disappointed. I will, I will burn Marvel, Marvel comics to the ground. Oh, God. Give me <laughs> self-stabby Shatterstar. Oh, God. So, yeah. Oh, this is good stuff. This is good stuff, Steve. So but I Shad- digress. Yes, but I digress. Shatterstar <laughs> enters the room. I mean, how could you not just be overtaken by that immediately? <laughs> I don't know how you can look past that. And he gets lines. He gets dialogue. It's just like, whoa. Oh, they made a point. Lines. Lines they just a, keep rolling in. They made a point of being like, hey, I'm going to hang a, I'm gonna hang a lampshade on this guy. Hey, check him out. He's in the room, guys. I'm not going to hide him in the background like we did Warpath. Uh, I mean, You know, a character like that, right? I know. I, I always liked Warpath. Why does he never get more, more love? Because, He's a great character. Because... The bias against Native Americans. God damn it. I want a Warpath title. I would buy that. I'd buy damn that it. too. I swear to God. Really? How did that not <laughs> How has he not got a title? Anyhow. <laughs> I don't understand things sometimes, Stephen. Um, so, we see Rachel. And she's got the hound markings are coming back. Mm-hmm. Digging that, Stephen. I want to date <laughs> a girl with hound markings. I'm just saying. It'd be cool. And so, <laughs> okay. Stephen's like... <laughs> Did not know that. So she's telling him all about Ahab, how he's back and how he's coming after them and yada, yada, yada. He's trying to get the young X-Men that they need to protect the young X-Men. So what they were going to do, the, uh, Kitty Pride then steps in and again. 
Jesus Christ, Stephen. Again, we we, we got to digress for a second here. Because, look, I, I like the art in this issue. The yeah. art is good. It's good, it's good superhero art. Yeah. And he draws Kitty Pride. <laughs> I, I, I got to paint this picture for you. Because if you're not looking at it. Now, she's she's rocking soccer mom hair, which is kind of goofy. But well, let's look past that. Sure. Let's look past that. Because Kitty is, uh, wasn't, wasn't she, she's, she's thinking about getting married, so she was thinking of settling yeah, down. She was married, right? so yeah, yeah. So, so um, <laughs> let's let's put that to a side for a second. Hey, Colossus saw that diaper and said, oh, no. Oh, exactly. <laughs> the artist draws her very curvaceous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kitty Pride, Stephen. Now, look, you know me. I like Cheesecake? Yes, please. I'll yeah. take a double serving. Mm-hmm. I got no problem with good girl artwork. Yeah. None at all. I was raised on it. Come on, kid of the 80s and 90s. There was tons of it, right? Yeah. So, got no problem with it. But, having said that, we could probably uh, stipulate to the fact, Stephen, that Kitty Pride has never been the sexy, curvy, well-endowed character. Uh, has she? Well, no, because most of the time she's been a kid. <laughs> right. Okay. She is slippery when wet, my friend. She's very curvy. And her boobs are very there. And so she's very, uh, she and, and she's wearing the unitard. Uh-huh. And it's sleek, and it's shiny, and it's curvy, and it's streamlined. And then you see big baggy diaper underwear on top of it. I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Oh my God. I don't, I, it does, it literally makes no sense. Why would you wear? Why would you have that body? Wear that <laughs> unitard, that sleek, shiny unitard, oh, and then goodness. slip on big, baggy diapers <laughs> over top it. I, I, no woman that confident in her body, willing to wear an outfit like that, is going to slap on a big pair of big old diapers. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't get it, Stephen. You know, I think it takes confidence to rock the diaper. <laughs> no, I didn't think about it that way. Maybe so. Maybe oh, so. Goodness. All right. Well, so anyhow, Kitty. <laughs> Where is her solo title to explain the diaper? Thank you. <laughs> Saying respect the diaper says I have a plan. <laughs> the plan is they're going to split into four teams. Each team gets one baby X-Men. Mm-hmm. They guard that one baby X-Men in four different locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, evidently, plan. they have, they have, um, so there you go. That's their plan. Now. We've just agreed. We've just established even. Mm-hmm. Rachel's established. Ahab, bad man, yeah. hunting people down, killing them where they stand. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Kitty Pride, respect the diaper, telling everybody. <laughs> we're, we have to. We have to protect the oh, four. God. The four remaining X Men. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Scott Summers, then runs out of the room. And who follows him? A young angel, mm-hmm. and young uh, Jean Grey, mm-hmm. and young Beast. Right. And they proceed to have a talk outside. Do any of the X-Men who have already firmly established murderous psychopath out there, we all must protect them to the point where we must assign teams of people per one individual X-Men in a hidden location. Mm-hmm. Do any of them follow them? No. No. They need time. Wait, what? What? That makes literally no sense. Like you should have seen all the X Men screaming out of the mansion right out of them. Yeah. In the very next panel. Mm -hmm. 
led by Kitty Pride and Rachel Summers. Oh yeah. That that makes no sense. This is where like the writers asking you to literally turn your brain off. <laughs> Because there will be a gap in logic here. Mm -hmm. And they proceed to have a little chit-chat. And then, of course, what happens? Up, they get attacked. Yeah. What a shock. We didn't see that coming. Nope. Beast gets tranked. And um, Angel gets tranked. And then uh, Cyclops rushes into the woods. Blasts uh, optic blasts at the, at, the, at the attacker. We find out it's Young Cable. And Young Cable punches Cyclops and makes a quick getaway. Cyclops is, you know, tells Gene he's coming, he's coming Gene's way. Gene stands up. She squares off with him. And before she has a chance to attack Young Cable, he does a little body slide with Young Angel. Mm -hmm. Takes Young Angel with him. Steven, we have now gone. <laughs> just, 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 just one, two, three, four. Five. Five pages. Yeah. Now we see all the X-Men coming out of the X-Mansion. Yeah. But, Steven, mm -hmm. that panel should have literally been the panel following young Cyclops leaving the, the X-Mansion. <laughs> I mean, okay, anyhow. <sighs> so they find out that they took, that young Cable took Angel, and Beast takes young Beast, gives them a little... Wake up, Juice. Wakes him up. He's all good to go. They talk about Young Cable being the person that attacked him. They don't know what's going on. Why'd he kill his older self? Why'd he take Young Bobby? They're all confused. We then cut to Young Cable's headquarters, right? Where we have Young Angel mm -hmm. getting his wings cut off. Okay. And young Cable's drinking some coffee, saying, you brought this on yourself. I like the touch of drinking some coffee. I'm, I'm going to drink a cup of coffee, watch you get your wings cut off. You know, it's all good. Yeah. Um, we then cut back to uh, Xavier Institute under attack by Ahab. Mm -hmm. And Ahab thunk spears Rachel. Mm -hmm. Harpoons her. Sorry, it's Ahab. It's a harpoon. <laughs> right. Harpoon. And uh, we have a big, big brawl, and we see that it appears old man Logan is now a hound. Yes, does he have hound markings? Yep. Yeah? Yeah, he he's got hound markings. Because it looks like he's taken down two hounds, but then he's turned into a hound? A hound? Is that? How am I reading it right? I think I'm reading that right. Yeah. Okay. He's fighting them, and then he becomes a hound. And then he becomes a hound. Somehow. Okay, that's the end of the issue, Stephen. Luckily for you, before you tell me what you thought of this issue, before you tell me what you, how much you loved Extermination Number Two, yeah. Feast drives in the cover for Extermination Number Three. There are four characters, five characters on that cover that we can see. We can see, uh, <laughs> oh we can see Warpath's elbow and leg. Poor Warpath, he's still. Yeah. We see Domino looking mm -hmm. looking fine. We see young, we see young uh, Jean Grey. Um, drawn in the appropriate 1990s Rob Liefeld style. And why do I say that? Well, I say that because the gun she is carrying is larger than she is. <laughs> and she is gritting her teeth. <laughs> oh, the gritted teeth. When I think Jean Grey, I think, I think gritted, gritted teeth. teeth. I yeah. always have. And then we see Cannonball. And then my friend right oh, there to the right. Who, who, who do we see there, Stephen? 
I don't see anybody. Who do we see, Steven? Sorry. Nobody. Tell the people who we see. Yeah, baby. All right, Steven. Extermination number two. What you think? Um. Well. Um. I. It's a lot to take in. I don't know <laughs> why we still have Young X Men. I thought we had. An I event. thought you were going to say, "I don't know why I'm still here." Uh, well, <laughs> I figured that was a given. But <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Um. I thought that whole Battle of the Atom was supposed to get rid of them. So did I. Uh, no. How long has it been now since they've been in the oh future? Oh, my God. They have been here forever, haven't they? Yeah. Has it been like five years now? I think it's been over five years. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so they had all that. Um, I I appreciate that apparently we're just going through and wiping out everybody who's not um, from this time. I yes. would not be surprised if Old Man Logan bites it in this event either, um, mm-hmm. since Wolverine's coming back. Yeah, that that would be my guess, too. Yeah. Um, I wish he could have gotten a better send-off than being in this title, but... Um, yes. Agreed. And uh, I'd, I think it's funny how they reference how, con- how convoluted it is, where, well, if they kill us, then... Like the young beast asks if they get killed, won't the older cells be killed? And the older beast says, "Well, um, if oh god, if, well, th- perhaps you've changed so much that it wouldn't affect the time stream." And I'm like, "Wow, that's <laughs> that's that's some nonsense. I wouldn't see on a Doctor Who episode, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let alone right. <laughs> the X Men, who are known for their uh, time travel shenanigans." I'm like, okay, so obviously they're going to have to be mind-wiped before they get sent back. Right. Which means everything that they've done while they're here has been completely useless. Pointless. Yeah. Well, the fact that the fact that if they died, that, 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 that enough of a time paradox has been created that even if the young X-Men get killed right now in this story, yeah. that the current X-Men will be okay, die. will yeah. not die, robs this story... Of any and all suspense and yeah. tension, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, what do you care if the young X-Men die? Because it has no repercussions. Because the real X-Men, the current X-Men, won't die immediately. So if yeah. young Jean Grey dies, you know, regular Jean Grey is going to be just fine. Yep. Young Beast dies, regular Beast is going to be just fine. So you've now robbed the story of any and all tension. Why would you do that? I don't know. I know they offered that as a suggestion, but I guess they should check on Angel in the next issue, see if he still has his wings. I, but, yeah, I guess. I just, um, I, I don't know why you would do that. I don't either. Um, I still don't know why there's a young cable. I think that's the stupidest idea. It's terrible. Of all the time traveling bad guys, uh, they picked a younger cable. Yeah, I. Okay. They couldn't have gone with Strife. Right. Or, I mean, it wouldn't be any better, but it would, it'd be better than a young It'd be young, cable. better than a young cable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Ugh. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, they talk all about Ahab, and he shows up, like, for a page at the end. Great. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just like, okay, lots of talking, which, I mean, okay, whatever, but mm-hmm. a, a lot of talking that doesn't make any sense. Yes, yes. Um, young Scott is upset because of Bloodstorm, who nobody cares about. Right. And I'm like, okay, 
I don't care. It's just a lot of pointless talking. Yeah. It's just to take up panel space. Yeah. It's the direct opposite of what Charles Soule did. Yeah. With the previous issue we reviewed. Yeah, and um you know, and then the X-Men coming up with a plan, you know, they of course they also had to split up into groups, but you know, a solid a solid idea. But then the young X-Men blow it and they just <laughs> stand there. Yes. They even see Nightcrawler teleporting onto the scene in the in the group shot. But he didn't... What was he doing for five pages? Yeah. Just hanging out. Well, let's wait and see what happens. <laughs> what? Yeah, I... I don't know. It's... It, it doesn't make any sense. It's just a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's how I feel. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. It, this... I think this... Uh, it's great to review this issue, Extermination number two, right after um, the issue with Charles Soule penned because it, it just highlights I think it highlights the wonderful job that Charles Soule did in Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends number one this is an excellent compare and contrast moment because Bryson delivers an issue that I think is poorly paced it, I think it has a poor flow to it I think it has clunky transitions I don't think it's a particularly tight in focus story, I don't think it's a particularly complex storyline. Well, not in a good way. Not, not in a good way. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. It, it, it's not one that has been meticulously handcrafted with painstaking details, like Charles Soule's writing. This is more like you put a bunch of words in a blender and poured it out into the comic book. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you're like, I, the, I, you got, you got, son, you got a million. A million things going on at one time, and I don't know what you're trying to do. You, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's 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 like Tim Gunn and his uh, the fashion designer would tell his students, "You got a whole lot of look going on. Here. <laughs> you got a whole. I don't know what you're trying to do. I don't know what you're trying to tell me. I don't know what you're trying to retrieve. You have a whole lot of look going on here." Bryson's got a whole lot of look going on here. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what he's trying to tell me. I, I really don't. Uh, and it, it doesn't get me excited for, for um, it doesn't get me excited for the story. It, and the story, the story just, I don't know. The story just doesn't, um, I don't know, Stephen. The story does not, it just doesn't seem very compelling it it doesn't seem very it doesn't seem very well crafted or where or well thought out to me at all it lacks internal logic at points yeah. it seems messy and um chaotic at other points and then it just kind of meanders and there's not a lot there to the story i don't know it just, it just seems like a lot of chaotic shouting you know what I mean? It's just like, make a lot of noise, make a lot of chaos, but I'm not really delivering you anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's, I don't know. That's that's how I look at it. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's just that, it's, uh, I don't know. It just reminds me of um, the, <laughs> um recently a uh 
um, Aretha Franklin died, and I was treated to an article about how she threw some epic shade at uh, somebody one time, and they asked her, so what do you think about Taylor Swift? And Aretha Franklin said, um, gorgeous gown. It's a good gown. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and that's how I feel about this issue. Right. So, yeah, as if you walked up to me and said, oh, so uh, what did you think of my comic? Like, it's a gorgeous gown. Yeah. It's a nice gown. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, it is, it's, it's like Sound of the Fury signifying nothing. It's very yeah. loud, chaotic issue that signifies absolutely nothing. Yeah. There is nothing there there to the story. You know what I mean? So much nothing. It's I, like, it, yeah. wow, look at that nothing. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's – so I just – boy, in the X-Men – yeah, Stephen X Men is a franchise that really, really, desperately needs an intelligent, mm-hmm. well crafted, laser focused, big event mm-hmm. to clean up their continuity, yeah. to recalibrate their franchise, to give them a new starting ground, a new direction, a new purpose. This franchise needs it badly. It needs it badly. Oh, it yeah. needs the Jeff Johns treatment. You know what I mean? That's what it needs. And this is not it. <laughs> no. <laughs> is it? This is not it at all. No. Um, I mean, first, what they need to do is they need to get rid of the young X-Men. They need to get rid of everybody who is not from this timeline. Yes. Um, they need to find Jimmy Hudson and kill him, too. Or this reality. This timeline <laughs> yeah. or this reality. Yeah, exactly. Both. If you're not in the present day Earth six one six universe, then you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I feel like they're doing that. Dakin's dead. Yep. Bloodstorm's dead. I hope that that'll be something positive that comes out of this. If yes. that's what they're going for. And um, and I mean, you're right. They need to they need to start they need to start over at one like X Men. They, they really do. Like. Have like what they did when they relaunched the Avengers after Heroes Reborn. It's like, okay, who's going to be on the X Men? Yes. Okay, focus on those characters. You want to. What is your mission statement? What is yes. this? What is the point of this group anymore? You know what I mean? That's that's what yeah. they need. What mm-hmm. What is your identity? Mm-hmm. What is your mission statement? Yeah. What is your purpose? Mm-hmm. What is your goal? Bring it back to the basics. Yeah. Exactly. Bring it back to the essence of what you are. What makes you. Sp- Special. Mm-hmm. What makes you different? It, your innate character and identity. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, that shouldn't be hard. The X Men have always been very, or have traditionally been distinct from the rest of the Marvel universe. Absolutely. And they've, I mean, they've lost it because there's too many of them. Yep. They're, and I'm not saying that they all need to die. They <laughs> seem to be like <laughs> right. pushed away. Yes. As like, okay. Well. Once the X-Men gets going for a year, then we'll do, like, X-Force or something right. like that. Like, slowly bring it back out. Yes. And, I mean, this is the perfect time to do it. If, if Marvel's getting the rights back to the movies... This is the time. Then, you know, clean it up, mm-hmm. finish finish whatever, whatever stupid story you've got in your head now, and then just, I mean, not don't, like, kill the franchise like the Fantastic Four, but yeah. just really right. pair it back and just start over. Nobody's gonna blame you. No, if you pair it back to the essentials. Yeah. Yes, that's what you need. Yeah, get be done with this. This this code this color coded nonsense. Just start. You know, just start at one and just go from there. Don't look back. 
and most importantly, don't screw it up again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, absolutely I mean, right. What did you uh, think of the artwork? I like the artwork. It Me was, too. Um, it, it fit. It fit what they were trying to do. I think it was, um, you know, the action looked 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 clean and all that, and you know, it's it's a very dark story. So yes. it's very dark, but yep. it's it's still clear. It's mm-hmm. it's nice to look at. Yep. I have no problem with the art. Me too. Um, Me too. I like to see the artists get more work that's better than this. Yep, I agree. I agree. How would you uh, grade out extermination number two? Oh boy. Um, I would give extermination number two a. I'd give it. <laughs> I'd give it a, a three for the writing, <laughs> and a. Yeah. I'd give it. I'd give it a seven for the art. Yeah. I like the yeah. art, but there was really nothing for him to draw, so you know, I can't really go I, beyond seven. I know. I, I think that's actually I think I'm right in line with you just about. I, yeah. I think I'll go uh yeah. Story, three night girls out of ten, art, seven night girls out of ten. I think that's totally fair. All right, Steven. <laughs> wow, that wraps up this week. A little a, a little good with the bad, a little sweet with the sour, huh? Yeah. I am, I will say, I am uh, looking forward to Wolverine returning. I'm ready for that. Yeah. I think I, we, I think we're in, I think we, there's potential for a really good story there. Yeah. Definitely. Whether it's realized or not, we'll see. But I think there is <laughs> absolutely the potential. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward, even though the Red Hood and Outlaws annual number two is a down issue, I am still looking forward to Red Hood Outlaw. Yeah. I'm, I agree. Fingers crossed on that. <laughs> you know. Um, Marvel two and one still like the title. Yeah, I'm still coming back for more, regardless of what's going on in Fantastic Four. Yeah, I'll still I'll still buy that title. And Extermination, I'm at the point now, Stephen. It's a five issue miniseries. We're in issue number two. I think my hope has almost completely faded that this might be a a quality story that provides for a a really good course correct for the X Men franchise. Yeah, they may need to do something else. <laughs> no, don't, don't put that idea in their head. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Because they will. I know. All right, my friend. As always, again, check us out, comicrevolution.com. Until next time, my friend, we will be back. Now the baseball season is done. We'll be back. And hopefully next week we have a few more DC titles. This is a little yeah. too Marvel heavy for me, my friend. <laughs> I usually leave the Marvel titles to Kevin over on the website. He, he graciously takes them. Yeah. Knowing that, that I, I, I just want to bask myself in the warm, warm glow of DC Comics. (laughs) All right, Stephen. Until next time, viva la revolucion.